Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. So, what a Monday Night Football game. You know, I don't know, there's baseball going on or two baseball games overlapping in the evening. Three in all, the, the White Sox game. Uh, they didn't get to play the White Sox and the Astros. But um, you had the two games overlapping at night. You had the Monday Night Football game. You had the Jazz preseason game. I was trying to catch them all. It wasn't easy. I was all over the place. Um as far as Monday Night Football game, you got to give it up to the Ravens. That offense looked terrible. They couldn't do anything right early in the game, and then they scored touchdowns on their last four possessions. And sure, the Colts did a lot of little things wrong. Missed an extra point. I thought they went for two too early, and they missed that. And then they had a field goal block, and then they missed the game-winning field goal at the end of regulation. So they get beaten in overtime by the Ravens. It happens. I don't know what to tell you, but they just found a way to make a mess of it, and they're now 1-4. The Ravens, meanwhile are four and one. So we will get into that a little later in the show this morning. Playoff baseball, man, pitching defense and an Evan Longoria home run, and the Giants beat the Dodgers in L.A. And uh, Brandon Crawford, great defensive play at the end of the seventh inning, skying to get a line drive, you know, two out, runner at second. Uh, That that could have been a 1-1 tie. But he climbs the ladder, makes a great catch. Um, So it's two games to one now. Dodgers over the Giants. In the American League, the wild card team is Advancing the Boston Red Sox knocking out Tampa Bay, blowing a five zip lead, making everyone nervous at Fenway, tying the game of five five. They're just building up the drama. Got the sacrifice fly in the bottom of the ninth, walked it off six five. Another walk off win for the Red Sox. Games two and three, or excuse me, games three and four, and they win the series three games to one. So a lot of sports last night, and we will get to the Jazz game coming up in the best of the post game show. But right now. It's time to hear from football coaches. We're going to start with Utah State coach Blake Anderson. He joined PK and I late in yesterday's show, coming off a of bye week, getting ready for your trip to UNLV. Here is the Aggie head coach with PK and I. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coming off a of bye week, were you obsessed about your own team, totally focused, watching bonus film of you and the opponents, or did you take a day to watch college football and just be amazed by the wackiness of it like the rest of us? Well, I enjoy I enjoyed a lot of good games on Saturday. We got we got plenty of uh, opponent film in all week. Uh, our opponent didn't play, so uh, we, we banked through all their games during the week. I, I'm like everybody else, man. I enjoyed some unbelievable games on Saturday. I think I sprained my thumb flipping back and forth between uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Texas OU. I'm not sure if anybody else had that problem, but I was. Those were happening at the same time and just about as crazy at the same time. You glad you got your bye week out of the way now? Now it's football right now until all the way through Thanksgiving? Well, if we can stay healthy, I do. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we won't, we won't get another break. It'll, it'll happen quickly. We needed it desperately. We were pretty banged up. I, I think the first half of our schedule has been extremely physical. When you watched Boise and BYU play on Saturday, I think it just, I mean, it reminded me just those are two really physical big well-built football teams. I watched Air Force play this weekend as well, and a game that we came out of having to, you know, bang uh, kind of old-school football. So I, we needed it. Uh, I, I love the fact that it's gonna it's gonna get competitive and crazy over the next six seven weeks. But we cannot afford to get injured either. We're we're thin, and and we we don't have a lot of luxury of, of losing guys. So hopefully we can we can win games and stay healthy at the same time. Your division looks completely wide open here early on. Four teams on one loss, New Mexico's 0-2, and CSU's 1-0 after beating San Jose. But it seems pretty wide open the way everybody else has had a little bit of success and a little bit of trouble as well. 
Yeah, I think the league uh, is shaping up to you better be ready to play on Saturday because anybody can beat anybody, and it's proven to, to look like that. Uh, nobody, you know, nobody just shows just absolute dominance, but but everybody, even what, I mean, we're going into an zero and five Vegas, but they've been in every game, been close, been down to the wire. I mean, we don't want to be their first win, but they're they're going to win some games somewhere along the way. We just hope it's not this week. You talk about last week, Bonner. You thought he'd be back. Is he ready to go? Yeah, he should be fine. I mean, he was sore towards the end of the week, but was able to practice and throw it do what he needed to. He, he's really not been healthy since week one. So, so this came at a good time for him. The the knee uh, issue from the game the other night looks to be uh, you know something he's going to get past. I would think he'll still be sore for a couple more days, but I would expect on Saturday that he's probably as healthy as he's been since fall camp started. So are you willing to play two quarterbacks right now or is he the guy for every snap or you're going to figure it out as you go along? No, he's the quarterback. He's the guy. We're going to still – we are still going to have some sub package stuff to to get Peasley involved, and and so we'll have that available and, and can utilize it in some certain circumstances. But I mean, Bonner's a guy. I mean, his experience has shown he gives us the best chance to to be successful with the personnel we have, especially. Uh, but there is value to throwing Peasley out there occasionally. It will not be a two quarterback system though. We're gonna we're gonna ride Bonner and let him just keep getting better. I think every time he goes out and plays. Uh, with the guys that we're we're playing with, and in the system, I think he gets he gets better at it. Have you been able to gauge the mood of the team following two consecutive losses? Yeah, I thought our I thought our meetings were good. Uh, I think uh, disappointed, but also uh, somewhat encouraged as well. I mean, I think they know how BYU and Boise are both built. They see where we made mistakes that that potentially cost us an opportunity to win. They feel like it's stuff that we can correct. You know, we didn't come out of the game feeling like we we're just completely overmatched, and and I think that'd be a completely different feeling. But um, there's a sense of urgency about about just improving, and an excitement that that we really truly have an opportunity to be in the mix, and we kind of control our destiny. And if we just go out and play our best ball, that that this team has some really cool things ahead of them. So I've been really, honestly, very pleased with the response. Um, I think they took coaching. We, we, we were coaching them hard, and I think they took it well. And, and what practices we did at this last week were, were, you know, I thought positive. We got better. So that, that's all you can ask of the group. So you've watched all the UNLV film, and they have had three really close games that they've lost at the end, one-possession games. What goes wrong for them? What is, the, what is the flaw? What have other people attacked that you can attack? Well, I'd like to think that we're going to be a, a little bit better than them in space. I think their their front is is can create some problems for us. Uh, we're going to do a great job of protecting the quarterback. Uh, I'd like to think that that some of the same things that have helped us be successful moving the ball in, in previous weeks is is going to be something we can uh, you know lean on this week. I mean, we are good in space, and hopefully, tempo and space can can be uh, can be big for us. Uh, you know, I, I, as you watch them, if you throw the record out the window, you just don't see, you just don't see an 0 and 5 team. Uh, they have played really, really hard all the way through, which to me is is saying a lot about the coaching staff that even things are not, you know, even things are not going real well. They're still playing hard. They're they're not quitting on on them, and to me, that makes them extremely, extremely dangerous. Um, you know, they've they've struggled to score points. They've been a little bit off. Their timing, a miss here. A uh, mistake there, a turnover here. I mean, you're hoping, you know, for us, we, we don't need their timing to start clicking. 
you know, they've kind of been their own worst enemy uh, offensively up, up until this point. Yeah, kids are human, obviously, and they can see 0-5. Do you emphasize don't get caught up in that? I'm going to do the best I can to show them all across college football and honestly even the NFL, you know, just when you think the record indicates who the team is. I mean, look at this weekend. I mean, Mississippi State beats A&M. A&M turns around beats the number one team in the country that everybody thought was unbeatable. Uh, I've seen 0-3 teams beat uh, really good football teams, 1-3 teams. I mean, you, you just cannot look at the record. And in our league alone, uh, you know, watch Boise lose to Nevada, turn right, right back around and beat BYU. Colorado State loses to a one double A, turns right back around and beat San Jose State. You know, Hawaii struggling, turns right back around and beats Fresno, who's in the top 25 minutes. All across the country, it just shows you, you better be ready to play on Saturday, throw the records out the window and just play the best ball you can. Blake Anderson joining us, head coach at Utah State. Uh, the Aggies... You've got um, you got the guys coming in as the transfers, and I'm curious how quickly the chemistry builds, and at what point? Because think if I ask you now, you'll say it's us, we're a team. At what point did that click in, and you felt that? I felt like uh, you could see that happening in spring ball. I think a lot of it had to do with just how our strength staff handled our guys during the off season. I think the amount of time that we spent with them. Uh, you know, we took advantage of every minute that the NCAA gives you in the off season. But I did. I felt like as spring ball was going on, that you started to see some relationships start to build and guys started to kind of buy in. I think it was helpful that some of the transfers we brought in had success, successful spring ball. I mean, you could see them making plays that were going to help the team, and that, that always, I, you know, it always helps you when you look around and say, "I mean, this guy brings value. He's going to help us." Uh, is that you know work ethic was high? His attitude was good. Uh, excited about being here. I, I felt like by the time we came through spring ball, that we'd made a lot of strides in that area. Because you're right, when you do bring guys in, veteran guys, older guys in, um, it does not always go smoothly, and it can be it can be a challenge. We we've been fortunate. I think this this group has come together very well. So we talked last week about how you were going to send some coaches out uh, to do some recruiting to an extent. Uh, you being new with a new staff, how long does it take you to establish relationships with high school coaches? It takes a while. It does. And we're fortunate in the fact that part of how I developed the staff was to make sure that, that we had some built-in relationships. Obviously, DJ, T. Alavea, and Al Afuajo, both those guys, uh, knowing the state, knowing all the coaches in the state here was helpful, and some guys off the field that are connected to the state of Utah. Guys uh, like uh, Nick Premsky, who's already on my staff, uh, Kyle Seppolo, who's already on my staff, uh, Anthony Tucker, all those guys being connected to California. Uh, and then and we've got uh, Chucky and, and Ray Brown, myself, uh, Coach Banda, that all are connected to Texas. And then there's some areas in between that, that we're going to utilize, you know, Denver, Kansas JCs in the into Vegas, uh, you know they're really. If you look at our staff, there were already some some at least some uh, you know at least somewhat some connected areas that we could start working on. Now, I think to really get ingrained, it definitely takes a recruiting cycle or more. Uh, but that's why those those relationships were important to start with to kind of get us get it, get us going. 
So PK and I were waiting to have on a uh, local coach in person, and there was a scheduling snafu. And he's like, no big deal. I've got uh, some recruiting uh, texts to respond to. And so we got to do whatever else it was we had to do. And while we're doing it, I can't help but notice this guy sitting over here, and he is just working it. And I cannot, and I never know. I mean, he's sitting 20 feet away. I don't know if there's long text, short text, a word, a sentence, a paragraph. But I'm like, I wonder how many people he has to text in a given day. Can you share just a little bit about the intensity of recruiting and the number of relationships? You're in a, you're in a state with 100 high school football teams, and you're recruiting out of state on top of that. Yeah, it, it really never stops. Um, I mean, you're sitting there watching a game on Saturday, and, and you're texting back and forth with multiple guys. You're sitting at dinner on a Thursday night with your family, and you got a recruit that, that – that you're you're going to call or, or is expecting a call or you're texting back and forth with him about hey I'm coming to the game coach or or hey man good luck on your game it, it really truly never stops you're on the beach in the summer with your family trying to enjoy vacation and you've got a call hey I got to go take this call this is the only time I can talk to this kid and his parents I mean it, it is year round if you don't do a good job of it you are eventually going to see it on the field. You've got to recruit. Uh, it is the most important thing you do, and then developing them from that point on. So, guys, when you're really in the heat of it, uh, it's it's an all day, every day type thing. There are some small, I guess, windows where it slows down a little bit, but uh, but if you look at the calendar, it, there's not much. It, it is something you have to enjoy doing. Make yourself be disciplined to do it all the time, and you're basically available pretty much 24 seven. Well, you got a circumstance where you already said that in the Vegas, as far as recruiting, would you send guys out Friday night in Vegas? Yeah, we absolutely will be at a few games on Friday night. We've got some kids that we're actively recruiting and, and even a couple committed kids in the area that uh, we'll split up uh, on Friday night. And uh, I'll eat dinner with the, with, the, with the players when we get to the hotel and handful of coaches will go go be visible and go watch some guys play and that's that's pretty typical in most areas if it's in your if it's in your footprint uh where you get to do that we we actually do that here at home on home games i get a chance to go watch guys play if we can but uh but an area like vegas an area when you go into california to play i'm sure people going to play san Diego state they're going to get out and about and watch some games on a friday night if they can you know, it's so interesting. I've seen coaches line the fence at games. It's like it's a, it's almost like a, it's almost like an art. You know, it's it's like a painting or something. I see coaches who will stand on the sideline, but they make sure they stand way away from the coaching boxes. They don't have a good view of the game, but it's specifically so the kids will see them. They stand out. They don't blend in a crowd. And at a school that has a ramp down to the field like Cottonwood High. Every coach lines the chain link fence, so when the guys go for warm-ups, they get seen. It's like you're playing like every last little angle. Well, yeah, you, they got to know you're there. I mean, they, they need to know that you're there as much as anything that you've spent the time and energy to be there. That's how much you think of them. Obviously, you want to get a great look at them as well, but most of these guys, uh, to be honest with you, we've watched so much on them. We already know you're there to – kind of check that last box like hey man i made this trip so you could see me that you know us you mean enough to us that we we came to see you play uh there are some younger guys on the roster obviously you're trying to get a good early look at and and occasionally you know you'll see a guy you're like man 
Yeah, you know, he he uh, he outperformed what we expected, or or man, he had a great game, or he did something unique. But but you're right, a lot of it just has to do with you showed up. He knows you showed up, and that may be what you know what matters most at the end. Well, coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week after the game in Las Vegas. Sounds good, guys. Take care. There's the Aggies head coach Blake Anderson. When we come back, BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a bye week, the Aggies look to keep their Mountain West Conference Championship hopes alive as they head south to Las Vegas for a battle against the Rebels of UNLV. Hear all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Saturday at 4. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Kalani Sataki meeting with the media. 5-1 and one, midway through the season. Difficult game, at least on paper. It looks like a difficult game at Baylor. The Bears are 5-1. and one. They've got BYU's former offensive coordinator, uh, Jeff Grimes. So these teams, they're going to know each other inside and out, right? So intriguing game, future Big 12 opponent. Here's Kalani with the media in advance of the game at Baylor. Uh, excited about the new week. Uh, looking forward to the matchup with uh, Baylor. Uh, a lot of connections with our staff and their staff, obviously, uh, recently losing um, Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos to Baylor. Uh, excited to see them. Uh, they're guys that we still care about and love. Um, Want to see them have success except for this week. But it's uh, been fun to watch them and their, their the program have the success that they're having right now. And, uh, you know, I respect Dave Aranda a lot. I've, I've known him throughout my coaching career, seen him and been in, involved with, with uh, talking ball with him. And um, we've been able to share a lot of ideas and philosophies and, and coaching. And I'm um, excited to see him as head coach and excited to see, uh, you know, the matchup that we have with, with – uh, an opponent that we're going into this conference. And so uh, I'm looking forward to being out in Waco and seeing their fan base and having a lot of fun. Obviously we're coming off of a lo- off of a loss over the weekend. And, um, you know, there's some things that we were looking to improve and get better and the loss things enough that uh, if, if we don't learn from it, it's going to be even worse. And so trying to learn from some of the mistakes and get better and, um, love what our players energy and the effort that they show us and just got to keep things focused and try to minimize the mistakes and give us a better position to have have wins and and uh, last week was disappointing but we're going to learn from it and get better from it so any questions you guys may have okay we'll start with jared lloyd and then mitch harper Bonnie, you just touched on this but i was curious in watching the film and going over the last week's game what did you feel like uh, you needed to improve on? It was, was it mental mistakes? Was it was it technique? What what needs to happen to to keep that from happening? I think a, a lot of it. I mean, everywhere, you know. So there's a um, not to take anything away from Boise State, but we didn't help ourselves much either. So um, I, I think the most visible ones are the, the turnovers. But if you're looking at, at assignments and, and uh, technique and the fundamentals of breakdown in that, I mean, that's that's something that, that I need to correct as head coach. And, um, you know, our, uh, I thought we've done a pretty good job at most of it. 
um, had some uh, some issues uh, with technique, and then we'll get those fixed. And and um, you know we just need to get our guys back on track. And uh, it's it's humbling, and, and it's a good opportunity for us to focus a little bit more. And this is good for us to focus completely on this week and uh, get ready for Baylor. That's 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 going to be the key: learning from the mistakes and making sure that this, that stuff doesn't happen again. The other thing I was curious about, um, A-Rod mentioned it during the coordinator's corner show, but the challenge of facing Grimey because he knows so well what the offense does and what type of play calls you might run and things like that. Talk about uh, dealing with that particular challenge of uh, facing Grimey and Eric again. Well, I think the the most important thing is for us to focus on the situation, the the, the issues and mistakes that we made uh, as a team and, and as position play, uh, groups and as uh, individual players. That's going to be the first focus is for us to learn from it. The, the second thing is uh, scout our opponents and know um, what we see on film. And, and I've been really uh, impressed with the things I'm seeing from what, what Grimey's done there. I mean, Grimey's a good coach. And uh, so, uh, you know, we've, we've been uh, very fortunate to have him here for three years and to have Mattel's here for a couple of years as well. So uh, they're going to be great coaches. They're just like they're doing already. They're, they have an impact, impact on their team already in their program, um, just like they did here. And so I think they're just, we're just familiar with each other. They know our, 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 personnel um they know our our scheme and but that's just that's college football that that's that happens and um we just got to prepare but i'm really more focused on what we need to do uh as a team focus on our our, our issues first um and then we know that there's some uh, you know we know that they know a little bit about our program and our personnel but that's all right that doesn't really mean anything if we don't fix the problems that happened from last saturday Alani, um, Caleb Christensen isn't listed on the depth chart. Is his injury season ending? No, it's not season ending. It's just a little bit longer to, to come back from. And so if we know that they're out for the week, then, the, then they won't be listed that week. So um, we know he won't be ready for this week game, this week's game. And so we're hoping to get him back. I'm hoping next week, but more likely in a couple weeks. So if that's being, I don't know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but that I would like to have him back yesterday but you know we're we're, we're uh, working with it and trying to get healthy and um I, I think more than likely probably in a couple of weeks would be be the right timing for him and one of baylor's top defensive players is is siaki ika i remember you and your staff for the first program to offer him back in 2016 when he was a young kid what did you see in him back then and maybe the relationships that that you've had with him and his family over the years yeah great family um a great young man and it just We've known him for a long time. I've known his family forever, you know, since I was little. So, uh, and, you know, he went to LSU and, and um, did some really good things there, won a championship with them and, and looked to transfer. And, and I think he really connected with, with Dave Aranda, who was a DC there. Um, and so I, I think he's doing some really good things on film. He's disruptive. He's big. He's physical and he can run. And, and he's a, He's a fun kid, man. He's he's a he's a great young man to be around, and then I know he's a, a big part of their their what their their the success they're having on defense. He's a big part of it because it's hard to block him. Uh, so he, he's a disruptor at the line of scrimmage, and has a great attitude and great personality. That I, I think he's fitting right right perfectly with with uh, the rest of the players at Baylor. Take we'll next take questions from Caleb, and then Stephen with AP. And then Jay Drew. 
Hey, Coach. You know, you mentioned that this game against Baylor is kind of a, a preview of what you're getting into at the Big 12. Um, what have you kind of noticed from film or just interacting with Baylor and other Big 12 schools, uh, particularly in Texas? Like what makes them unique? Maybe what's a little bit different about going in there? Well, I think um, I, I don't know if you're looking at the, the entire conference, their offense, their, their offenses have a lot of success, you know, but I think if you look at what Baylor's doing, they're, they're playing a really good defense as well. So um, they make things really difficult uh, for an offense to have success and to, to make big plays. And then offensively, they're really efficient. Quarterback um, takes care of the football, hasn't thrown an interception all year. Um, and then and they have a good group of running backs and some great skill players at, at receiver. And then I know their their old lines being coached well because Grimey and Mattels are there. So I know that they're they're going to do their part. And it's a tough team. It's a tough matchup. We're going on the road and and going to be in 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 Waco. We're excited for the for the the venue to be there. It's going. I think our guys are going to embrace it and have fun with it. A little bit of weather change too. So um, you know, just looking forward to getting into Texas and playing some football there. And, and uh, it's just nice to be in a different region of the country and. Um, Looking forward to the matchup, but but tons of respect for that that team and that program and the university, and really looking forward to our partnership with the Big Twelve uh, in the future, and, and and glad that we get to have a you know like a um, an earlier version of it this week. Which Caleb asked a little bit about what I was going to ask you. I'm calling from Texas. I mean, this is an unusual uh, mid-October non-conference game for Baylor, and it took on a little more, obviously, with your teams um, coming into the Big 12. Is there anything about maybe a first impression you guys want to make for people in Texas in the Big 12 that or may not see BYU play a whole lot, even though you are on a national stage? I don't know There's if I'm really worried about trying to make an impression. I'm just trying to make sure our guys are playing fundamentally sound football. You know, we, we, uh, we're a much better team when we, when we can uh, limit our mistakes and um, not shoot, our, shoot ourselves in the foot, uh, uh, as some people say it. But um, we're going to come in there. We're excited to play the game. We're really looking forward to the matchup. And, uh, you know, I think we, we bring a, a, a unique brand of football. And, but, uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun playing with sportsmanship in class and embracing the opportunity to be in there in front of that fan base. And um, we have a lot of friends that are on, on the, that coaching staff. So it's, it's, it's going to be a fun, fun, uh, fun day. And I think for our guys, they're looking forward to the change in, in, in scenery a little bit. And, and um, we're, we're going to have some fun with it, man. I, I know there'll be some different foods to try out too. So I'm always about that. So our guys are, are going to embrace every opportunity we can of being out in Texas and being in that, that, that culture that Waco provides. Well, there's some good food places in Waco. I found quite a few of them myself over the years. Um, but, and I'll just ask this. I mean, because of the, I mean, this is always a good game. You're, you're going to have good games in the schedule. Did this game take on a little more though, because of the personal connections and the big 12, or do you just kind of have to look at it as this is our next game. We're trying to come off a loss and get back on track. Professionally, you, you want to look at it as the next game. I mean, honestly, that's what you want to do. You want to just move on and, and then just play the game and, and, and treat it as such. But Hard to do when 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 uh, when when you love the individuals that are there that that you became really close friends and and um, brothers with. For us, with 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 Jeff Grimes, with Eric Mateos, we became really close. So, so I care about them. And I know our coaches and our players do, and so it's going to be different that way. But 
um, we want to win, you know. So I think I know they do too. We're very competitive, but it's going to be a lot of fun to, to go against people that you really care about. And it's been fun watching them having their success uh, this this season. Uh, we we knew this was on the on the on the uh, schedule, and and more than anything, just looking to to having a, a really good time and, and being able to share that field with with that coaching staff, the fan base, and being out there and, and you know, future partner in Baylor in the Big 12 Conference. So uh, just, just more than anything, just, just really uh, excited about the opportunity to play this game. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Lonnie, at the uh, halfway point of the season, you know, season's half over, unbelievably, but uh, what is your level of satisfaction with your program and with your team? Uh, I know it's hard maybe coming off a loss to – keep in mind the whole big picture of things, but what, what's your level of satisfaction with where the program's at right now? I'm, I'm really pleased with the talent that we have on our team and the development of our players. We've, we've been really um, tested with our depth because of injury. Uh, it happens uh, this season. It's, 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 you know, more than we were we wanted to be comfortable with, but we knew this was a possibility. And so uh, I'm really, um, I, I, from, from that point, point of view jay i'm i'm happy with the way our guys are, are performing how they they prepare um you know come off a loss is always difficult but uh this is an opportunity for us to learn and get better and uh what you don't want to do is have a win when you win a game um affect how you prepare the next week um i think you know you guys in the media like to talk about that as a, as a the, the letdown or trap game things like that and so I thought we've been being able to take advantage of winning games, but trying to learn and get better and, and improve the next week. Um, and now when you lose games, we want to make sure that that doesn't carry over into this feeling of, of, of you know, feeling sorry for ourselves and things like that. We, we've got to move on. And, and the best way to move on is to get to work. And so our approach after we win games is to get to work and our approach after we lose games is to get to work, get to work and uh, but I'm really proud of the way our guys come to come to work every day and their their mindset and looking forward to, to improving from last week. There's a lot of places that we can definitely learn and, and get better from. And and uh, with, with the way these guys have been all season, uh, I'm, I'm really anxious and excited to see how they're going to approach this week. And I have a really good feeling about it. Hey, let's go uh, Jake Hatch. And then we have time for one more question after that with Mitch Harper. Kalani, obviously last week did not go as you guys planned. Do you consider a little bit of a wake-up call to your guys? Hey, you guys know how you need to play to win games? Yeah, I think that happens naturally, you know, and, and um, I think uh, humility is a good thing. You know, it, it's the best teacher. And so, and that's for all of us. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we can learn from. I can too as head coach. And so uh, none of us are – are immune from mistakes. So some of them happen and then it's really just a matter of how you respond to it. And so, you know, things have been going really smoothly for us and we were able to win the first five games. Um, you know, even, even with some, some, some situation issues and mistakes, we just made too many against a really good team that were, were driven to beat us. And, um, you know, and, and we, we get, because our players' effort and fight gave us a chance towards the end, of, even with all the mistakes that we made, a chance to still try to get that win. Um, let's let's just not put ourselves in that position again. And sometimes the hardest, the the, the best teacher is experience, and and you, you never want to lose. But um, 
but when we do and we, we, we fail, I'm going to make sure that as a, as a, a coach and as a program that we learn from it and make sure that we can maximize our opportunities to get better. Just a quick thought from you on how you thought Jaron performed having rewatched the film from the Boise State game. Yeah, I thought he's. I thought he made some good decisions. I mean, that last throw, I think he was just trying to create uh, too much. And um, you know, I, I looking at it, he protected the ball all up until that one moment. And um, I still believe in him. I know that uh, you know we'll, we'll kind of have to see how how it works again and, and how, what our game plan will be this week. But um, you know, he's he's a really good player. I don't know if he would say that was his best game, but. Uh, you know, I, th- I think the mistakes didn't help from 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 so many different places, and I think the most visible ones go right to the turnovers and the short fields. But uh, you know, defensively, I think we 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 expect our defense to to on a sudden change to play better defense than what we did. And I think the two the two fumbles in in the red in the red zone air short field turned into touchdowns, which you know we like to hold in the field goals if we could. And, and then the short field of going on the fourth down, turning to a field goal. So 17 points off of short fields. And I think our defense is better than that. So it's a team game. We, we know that we can play complimentary football with all three phases. We made a mistake in all three phases. And that falls on me as a coach to make sure that we um, play better, practice better, and prepare better. And, um, but I, I, I can't fault the players for their effort and their energy. Um, I need to do a better job and make sure that we put them in a spot to have more success with all three phases. In Kalani, uh, after a game where ball security was an issue, uh, does that become even uh, a bigger focus this week in practice or for how you guys prepare? Yeah, it's something that we preach over and over and over and over again. So I, I don't know if that we can emphasize it more than what we've been emphasizing it. It's something that we talk about consistently. I mean, you can't go a day here, a practice, or even five minutes without hearing about it. And we, we, we criticize even our our defensive players, when they get the ball in their hands about ball security, it, it's something that we really, really, um, it's part of our identity. We really focus on um, mistakes happen. They do. And and um, I think, you know, looking at, at, at what happened with those fumbles, still believe in those guys that it's, it's kind of like a uh, an exception, but those hurt. And, and uh, that's, that's something that we need to, we need to keep uh, emphasizing, but I, I don't know if we need to do anything special for those guys to get better. They've they've taken or taken care of the football for the, most of their careers, and so um, you know, let's just learn from it and make make sure we do it better. And, and I, I've said it before: you can never ever tell me, you'll never hear me say there's too much ball security. And I'd, I'd like to have our our players um, make it hard for me to to, to say that because I. You'll just you'll just never hear me say a few things as a football coach that uh, too much effort and, and too much too much ball security. So, and when you see Baylor offensively on film, maybe what similarities are, are you seeing from them that remind you of the offenses you guys fielded when Grimes was here? Yeah, a lot of similarities. I mean, it's 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 we we know a lot of, a lot of the stuff that they're doing, and Grimey's doing a great job as far as their execution. I mean, the, the fact that their quarterback hasn't thrown an interception all season long is a good sign that they're taking care of the football and doing it the right way. Um, they're physical up front. Uh, very, very similar. We were familiar with what they're doing offensively, their identity offensively, and uh, it's going to be a good matchup for us. And 
you know, just looking forward to the game. There is Kalani Sataki, BYU football coach. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post game show. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's a trip to the Lone Star State for the Cougars as BYU heads to wake up for a massive showdown against Baylor as the Cougars look to knock off a future Big 12 opponent. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz beat the Pelicans 127 to 96. Rudy Gobert leading the way with 19 points, 19 rebounds. More of the big names playing. More guys playing a little more minutes. Not outrageous minutes. Bogey played 26. Mitchell played 30. Those were the big numbers. Uh, maybe that's outrageous for a preseason game. I guess we can debate that later this morning. But right now, let's get the best of the postgame show with the guys. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you once again this season. Jazz win 127 to 96 over the New Orleans Pelicans at Vivid Arena last night. Led by a monster game from Rudy Gobert, who made his preseason debut. 19 points, 19 rebounds. He did it on 7 of 8 shooting. He had a steal and a couple of block shots uh, to go with that as well. The Jazz had six players in double figures. Donovan had 18. Clarkson was 17 coming in off the bench. Mike Conley had 15 to go along with five assists. Bogdanovich with 15 and Pascal with 14 coming in off the bench as well in the win for the Utah Jazz. Let's uh, let you hear first from Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. I, I thought as the game went on, you know, I thought the third quarter we saw we had some breakdowns, um, you know, just early on where we were got we got backdoored a couple times, um, gave up a couple offensive rebounds. Um, but I thought the second half, in, in particular, we had some guys, um, you know, Boyan, Mike, Don, and all did a really good job. I thought defending the ball and containing the ball, and you know, and competing through plays. So it's good to see that and that got us out running. That might be a simple question, but what makes Rudy so effective screening? He cares. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, when you, you have, you know, his size, um, but more, more than anything, he cares. And, and the way that I think manifests itself is that he's, he's gotten really good at changing angles and changing locations of the screen. He, he knows when, to, you know, when to set. He knows when to get out. You know, just it's a, it's a skill. And it's something that he's really worked on, you know. And, and not a lot of guys see that as a skill. You know, they don't, you don't see it. But, you know, it's just like rebounding. You know, you have to have an instinct. Um, but the fact that he screens for so many different guys... You know, he's screening for Joe, Mike, Donovan, Boyan, JC, and he kind of understands, you know, what all of them want, um, whether it's pick and roll or, you know, or off the ball. It's, it's, it's really good. He's worked at it, you know, and, and again, he, he cares. And I, I think all those guys really appreciate, you know, that he does that too and understand it. You know, it just shows they're connected. 
guess the follow-up to that is with Hassan or Doak, how do you teach them that skill or how what's up for the development process? Well, you know, the same it's the same process, you know, I think for Hassan, you know, when you know, when you're uh, it took, you know, with Mike and Rudy, for example, it took a little time to, to get that um you know, that connection. And I thought Hassan had a couple of really good ones tonight, you know, especially when he was in, I think JC had a couple of pull-ups. He, um, you know, he, he, he so it's something that, that he knows how to do. And I think he's the same way, like Rudy. It's something that he knows is important and those guys are willing to give themselves up at times. And then, you know, also the ability, we've talked to Hassan about getting out on his rolls and getting to the rim. And, you know, it's been a focal point for him. And, you know, just like you work on your, you know, your shooting or your ball handling, you know, those, those situations in practice require, you know, combinations, but, you know, that's something that we work on pretty consistently and keep doing. The teams really try and attack the rim when Rudy's off the floor just because they know that's their opportunity to do it. Or it's going to be their best opportunity. Does that put extra pressure on Hassan or Dope or Well, you know, Hassan's, if you Hassan's been a really consistent, you know, like high level rim protector throughout his career. So, um, you know, that again, that that's something just situationally, um, something he's done and, you know, I think we'll continue to do that, you know, but to your point, um, you know, Rudy's pretty unique, you know, Hassan has that same type of length and, um, I think those are plays that, that I know we want him to make and that he, he wants to make and is capable of making. I thought the the best thing he did is he just let the game come come to him. You know, the, he had a couple, you know, really good reads off the ball where he, he made the read before, you know, he got the catch and pulled through. Um, you know, I thought he competed defensively. And those are, you know, those are the things that, that we want to see, you know, from, from him when he's out there, no matter what position he's at. Um, you know, I think his competitiveness and um, the, the game didn't speed him up. You know, I think he played, you know, within himself and, and, you know, there were opportunities for him to make plays. And then you saw, you know, later in the game that, you know, the little pull-up that he had, the reason he got that is because he pulled through and he was going to drive it to the rim. And, you know, they got back and he, he rose up. So, again, he just made good reads. I didn't think he forced anything. Tom Van four steals, three blocks tonight, and you mentioned his defensive engagement. Like, when you're t- did you guys have conversations about that in terms of what you want to see from him this year defensively? We had conversations about it throughout the course of the game, you know, and, and it's been something that, you know, he's talked about. He and I have talked about it. He's talked about it with his teammates. Um, you know, it's important to him. And I think he knows that that's, you know, another way that he can really impact impact the game. You know, I think all our guys, I, you know, I think Boyan had said that, you know, a couple times. I think, you know, you watch Mike play. Um, it's something that, you know, will continue to be important. And then, you know, the, the challenge is to, to continue to replicate it, you know, to replicate it when you're tired, to replicate it when you're ahead, to replicate it you know, on a back-to-back, just to continue to do it all the time. So it just becomes, you know, who you are. But, you know, I was, like I said, I, I thought his effort tonight in those areas was really good. And especially because, you know, the, he, some of those plays came after he'd been in, in the game for a while, too. It wasn't like the beginning, you know, the first couple. First possession in the game, 
you know, he denied an entry pass and, you know, but that that's that's great because it shows his mind is engaged because that was a play that we talked about wanting to really help Rudy by pushing Valanciunas's catch out. But then six minutes later in the third quarter, when you're still doing that, that that to me is what, you know, what, what he wants of himself and what, you know, I want to demand of him. Yeah, he, they'll have more of an update. You know, it's con- concussion. You know, I didn't see the fall, but I think it was a pretty. You know, he fell pretty hard. You guys probably saw the yeah, replay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think hopefully it'll be all right. But they'll they'll give you guys more details. There you go. That's Coach Quinn Snyder. One twenty-seven and ninety-six was your final. Jazz come away with win in preseason game number three. Let's move on to the players. Let's hear first from Donovan Mitchell. I think it was it was really important, you know, for us to understand. We've been doing it in practice. You know, we spoke about it all week. So I think for us to be able to do it against uh, somebody else for the first change, I think for one is good. Um, but then also, I think for us, just continue to find our rhythms and find our stuff. Um, there are times lapses on offense, lapses on defense that we'll go back and fix. But you know, overall, I think we're you know we're in a good spot. But we can we can definitely raise our level a little bit. But it was definitely good to get everybody back out there. Do you guys feel like you developed a rhythm as the game went on? Yeah, I think, you know, trying to feel each other out still. You know, obviously with the the core group, you kind of know where each other needs to be. But then, you know, you have to you have Hassan, you have Eric, you know, and I think that's that's the biggest thing, trying to get them in the right spot. But they're picking it up, you know, really fast. So that's a, that's a credit to them, you know, the work they've put in um, since they got here to figure out the plays, figure out what's been what's been rolling and, and what we like and how guys like pick and rolls and stuff like that. And then we have, a, we, we also had a stint where we went one through five switching and that was kind of on the fly and we were able to do that well. So it, it, it feel good. What's your responsibility with that second group where you're the one who's been on the floor more than anyone else in that community? Uh, I think for me, just being a leader vocally, um, obviously lead by example too. I think defensively, I'm really trying to, you know, pick it up there that way it kind of defensively is the offense and we haven't really pushed the ball in transition like we normally do so we're, we're kind of getting to that but that starts with our defense we've gotten stops but we now we got to turn that into running and figuring our spacing out and you know just being able to move the ball like we have been and you know there are times where last year we kind of get stagnant a little bit so being able to continue our movement uh, as well as integrating Hassan and, and Eric as well being able to move the ball through them as well. As you mentioned, um, it looked like you tried to set more of a tone on the defensive end. What, how, what was kind of the goals there? Um, I mean, granted, it is preseason, but that's been my mindset all summer. Um, yeah, I was on one leg last year, but, you know, I could be better. You know, I, I've, I've made that. I've been vocal about that, you know. So, for me, just being able to do it, you know, consistently. It's one game. You know, I did it in the preseason game, so now i got to continue to do it um, throughout the year. And that's pretty much my mindset and just being able to be a leader on that end as well. We were talking about you uh, denying the mixed-entry pass to Valentine was early in the first quarter. You know, that continuing during the games, as, even as you got tired. What are some of the specific things that you guys talked about? Like your um, I think for one, I think it also helps you get, get in shape because <laughs> you got to do both. I think that's for starters. Um, but just being being a, a, a pest, you know, not not really just kind of sitting there allowing things to be comfortable because I know how it feels. You know, Garrett Temple, I caught the ball twice. He poked that out of my hands. And it's even though he may have passed and made the play, it's still like, oh, like, here we go. So being able to, you know, come down the court and have to deny an entry, make it harder for guys to, to get into their offense. Uh, I think that's really where the mindset is for me, just making it tougher, you know, not really necessarily having to pick a guy up full court and fight over these screens, but making making things a little bit tougher and having them take more time. Defensively, with like, the tools that your wingspan gives you, does that, what, what kind of plays did that allow you to make that? Um, 
I think, you know, when you get into the paint, being able to kind of get in the lane, get those steals, I think that's another one, you know, kind of baiting the defense into throwing passes that they think are there and just being able to do that. And that's really what I've been doing pretty much my, my whole life. So now it's really honing in and, and honing in on that and making that a, a primary focus. You know, the offense, it'll come, you know, through through rhythm and through shots. So for me, it's really been all about that, you know, since I got into camp and just being able to guard, you know, and just being able to focus on that, get steals, be in the stands, be, be a presence there. Um, so, yeah. You've talked about conditioning before and terms of being able to play both ends and extend the necessary energy on both ends to be really good. And then what, are, what are some of the things? Did you do anything differently this summer? Um, I wouldn't say I did anything differently. I just think I did things a little bit more. I think for me, it was more defensive slides, more won't give all my stuff away, but more more things that I've picked up throughout the, the years and just kind of, you know, it's getting your leg. That's the biggest thing. It's This is this is easy, the, the win, again, that, but it's really the legs, you know, and I think being able to do that and then also come in the offense and still be able to create, still be able to get into the paint, be able to hit threes when they're open. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for me, being able to, you know, whether it's a drill where you do a drill, you know, a defensive drill, and then you got to make five in a row or make 10 in a row, whatever it may be, just kind of having that mindset and understanding that, you know, there's going to be possession when got a guard, and then on the same token, the same the other end, getting the ball late, you know, and having to make a play. That's Donovan Mitchell, 18 points on 7 of 18 shooting, 5 assists, 4 steals as well. And you heard Donovan talking about his defense being more active, expecting more out of himself. Well, let's uh, hear from Rudy Gobert, who had a big game, but also had some really interesting words about Donovan Mitchell's potential on the defensive side of the ball. I think we just want to make sure we build good habits, you know, and uh, whether it's a prison game, regular season game, or playoff game, we want to come up with the same focus and uh, try to use every game to to keep getting better, you know, and we, we know that our mindset, especially defensively, is uh, something that we need to to have every single night, every single possession. talking to Hassan about kind of what you were saying out there on the floor, what were you saying? Uh, probably a lot of stuff. <laughs> just try to just try to help them, you know, like I want them to help me too. You know, I think the communication between each other is, is really important to, to share what you see on the floor and uh, and especially for Hassan because it's he's new to the to our system and uh, to the way we want to play. So, you know, just try to help him out. And I know that uh, if he does what he can do uh, within our system, you know, we're going to be really, really hard to play against. What do you think is the biggest adjustment for Hassan, like coming to the Jazz and the Quinn system? I think for us, it's really, I mean, for him, you know, being able to, to on a pick and roll, especially the communication, you know, uh, knowing what to say uh, to, to, to the guards because the guards really need to hear us, you know, back there. And, uh, you know, knowing, yeah, the, the, what to say and try to, the positioning, where, where to be, um, to make it a little bit easier on them and, uh, and make that a habit. How have you helped him and how can you help him get kind of I think, I mean, we all try to help each other, you know. Uh, uh, first of all, he helped me a lot in practice too because uh, he's very good. And, you know, being able to, f- like, working on finishing on Hassan uh, every practice and you come to the game and, you know, it's a little easier because he's probably one of the best, uh, you know, shot blockers in the league. So it's, uh, yeah, just trying to make each other better and, 
and I try to share, you know, anything I can to 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 make the team better. What are you seeing in terms of the team's point of attack from the defense as far as this year? I think we've been uh, tonight was great. You know, we had a little bad stretch. Uh, I think it was in the second quarter. Uh, but but beside that, you know, uh, Donovan did an amazing job setting the tone. Um, you know, and then you know, Mike has been great. Uh, Boyan has been great. So you know, we just gotta make sure that we, you know, we we pay attention to that. You know, because we're gonna be able to to win games even if we don't do that. But then when when uh, when the playoff comes and team try to take advantage of that, you know, we we're gonna be surprised. So we, you know, just try to. Uh, get that, make that a habit. You know, hold each other accountable uh, for that, and then you know we we're gonna take another step defensively and uh, overall offensively because it helps our offense. I was talking about trying to be like a little bit more of a pest in that role. I mean, is, is, uh, is that kind of the is that kind of the theme? He's a monster physically, and you know, I think he the things that he's able to do offensively uh, are amazing, but I think he doesn't realize what he can do defensively uh, if he puts his mind to it. And tonight we saw the, the, the few plays that he did on the block that he, it was a three-on-one or two-on-one and he got a block and then he, he was able to get out of bounds and save it or like the few steals that he had. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what he can do and, you know, if he... If he if he does that for us, uh, you know, we're going to be uh, even better, for sure. But it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy. It's a long season. And, you know, it's it's about doing, you know, try to put our mind on what we think is really important for the team and, and then uh, try to do it. Even on the nights when we're a little tired, um, you know, even when we're not 100%, try to do our best on those things. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it'll be pretty good. We didn't play the first of preseason games. Who knows about Wednesday? Do you feel like your performance tonight, you are ready for the regular season? Or is this just a stepping stone to get ready? Uh, I was feeling good. I got a little tired. But, uh, you know, I was feeling good. I just try to, like we said, you know, set the tone. Uh, and use those games to, yeah, to feel, get a feel, you know, and, and, and get good habits. You know, that's really the most important thing. And, uh, you know, it's a long season. We're going to have plenty of games. Uh, some games are going to be a little tougher than others, but uh, in the tough games, that's when you got to uh, kind of like push through and uh, and use those, you know, to, to get better. There you go. That is Rudy Gobert. What a game for Rudy. 19 points, 19 rebounds in just 24 minutes of play. Rudy was active, and boy, he was really good. And it was uh, fairly interesting, or it was very interesting to hear him talk about how much potential he thinks Donovan Mitchell has on the defensive side of the ball. And mentioned we saw it last night, and Donovan was very active. One play in particular from Donovan where he got a block shot and a steal and started a fast break on the same play. And uh, we'll see his performance on the defensive end. We know we know he can score. I think we all know what to expect from Donovan offensively, but it'll be interesting to see what we get from Donovan defensively this year. 127-96 is your final. The Jazz beat the New Orleans Pelicans. Next broadcast coming your way on Wednesday, tomorrow. The Jazz will be taking on the Milwaukee Bucks here at Vivint Arena. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage on the station begins at 6. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines get to the baseball playoffs and Monday Night Football. Stay with us. 
Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. First and goal at the four. They flip it right side to Taylor. He cuts it up. He's dancing across the goal line. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Down. Rush four. Jackson, Jackson wants to throw. Steps four. up. Pocket drops. Going His deep. elbow was down to He's one. He's got Hollywood Brown. He's got a touchdown. Hollywood Brown. Crowd, the crowd sees. Jackson in the gun. Takes the snap. Steps up. Throws. Complete. Mark Andrews. The two-point conversion is good. And don't go to bed yet. We are all tied at M&T Bank Stadium. Snap. Ball down. Kick is up. Has the distance. And he pushed it wide to the right. He pushed it wide right. And it's no good. Jackson takes the snap. Looking over the middle. Pumps once. Throws. End zone. Caught. Game over. The Hayes in the board. And the Ravens have won it in overtime. Down big, the Ravens come back and win it. 31-25 in OT. They scored touchdowns on their last four possessions. And the door was open when the Colts kicking game missed a PAT. Then they went for two and missed it. Then they had a field goal blocked. Then they missed another field goal. Left eight points out on the field right there. And opened the door for the Ravens' big comeback. Lamar Jackson lighting it up, PK. I was watching baseball in the Jazz. He threw for over 400 yards in that game. He's awesome. Former MVP. Great quarterback. And the Ravens improve to 4-1 and one now. Good team. Seven teams sitting at 4-1 and one behind the 5-0 and oh Cardinals. And the Ravens, the top dog in their division in front of the 3-2 and two Bengals and the 3-2 and two Browns. All right. Thanks for that standings update. Raiders coach John Gruden resigned his position. More emails. Containing misogynistic, anti-gay, and racist language came to light. New York Times with the report. He issued a statement said, I love the Raiders and don't want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anyone. Series of emails that come out. Nobody was, no employee was going to survive that, I don't think, PK. No. Yeah. <laughs> so now, going on there. 650,000 emails. Some wow. of them probably just were moving the meeting from 2 to 3 p.m. What other, what else is in those? And, well, and what it, difference does it make now uh, for Gruden? Well, for Gruden, I don't think they do. Yeah. I think. Well, I'm wondering what kind of money he gets. It's on this massive, like, $10 million a year deal, right? Yeah, 10 took, years, $100 million. Yeah. It took the three days from when the league sent the emails, and he got to coach one more game, and apparently the league was mad about that. But maybe they were spending that time negotiating that. I mean, I think they could have fired him for cause, but. Apparently the owner really likes him, so maybe he got a portion of that money. Well, it didn't happen on the Raiders' watch. Right. So could they fire him for cause? Well, could they have found it on the Raiders' watch if they had looked? I mean, they were looking as part of the the NFL. Was looking into the toxic workplace environment in Washington. Right, but uh, but Al Davis' son didn't know about it, right? Uh, You wouldn't think so. But what would they have found if they looked into the Raiders? Because these emails were sent on a personal account when he was yeah, not yeah. coaching in the NFL. Right, so he wasn't an NFL right. employee. Right, but he sent them to an NFL employee, the president of the Washington team, so the NFL saw them when they went through all the Washington emails. Yeah, George Allen's son, right? Bruce Allen, yeah. 
And they had worked together in Oakland and Tampa Bay. So that's why they were communicating. A lot of sons involved. Man, I should have gone into the janitor business. You know, George Allen is buried in the same cemetery as my father-in-law? Yes. You had told us that before. It's a small world. Even though it's not really the world. But you get the point. I got the point. So I think the question is, is uh, what are in Dan Snyder's emails? What else is it? If the toxic, if the culture was that toxic, was it just the president sending those emails? Was he sending the emails to other people? I don't understand. Where does this go? What, what difference does that make? Would they make Snyder sell the club the way the NBA made Sterling sell the Clippers? Oh, so that he did it too? Worms out. I don't think anyone knows. I think these were selectively leaked. And they have 650,000 emails. And was Allen only sending these emails? I mean, there, there were pictures of uh, partially clothed Washington cheerleaders. Oh, I think they were naked. Completely? Topless cheerleaders. So, where else were they going? What else is in those emails? I mean, Gruden was sending stuff about the commissioner and the NFL song. So what else is there? Where else does this go? Or is it just Gruden? Trey Lance, sprained knee, first career start against the Cardinals on Sunday. Not expected to miss a lot of time, and the Niners are on a bye this week. And the NFL is looking at putting games in Germany, regular season games, the way they've done with London, 29 games to London. Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, and Munich. Add in the 17th game. One day, are they going to be 16 games overseas, and everybody's playing eight home, eight away, and one overseas. Is that where this is going? I don't know. I would expect it is. But how quickly? Don't know. (laughs) We wouldn't expect you to know. (laughs) DJ and PK. (laughs) Hashtag college football. An argument over Alabama's loss to Texas A&M Saturday led to a deadly shooting in a Birmingham suburb. Two men fighting over which team was better. Game was in the final minutes. Police lieutenant told uh, news outlets the homeowner asked the men to leave. Shots were fired outside. 27-year-old was taken to a hospital, pronounced dead about 3.20 Sunday morning. Shooter fled the scene. His identity is known. He's still at large. It's a football game. Why does it come to this? Question up at Facebook. we got people weighing in on that. I don't understand that, yeah. To me, sports is nothing but entertainment. I've never wanted to pop someone after I thought the movie was good and they didn't think it was good. I mean, I view it no more than a movie. Am I entertained? If I am, check. If I'm not, well, that stunk. I hope I went to the matinee. (laughs) Save a few bucks. Yeah, now, of course, it costs a lot more here. But that's just me. I've never had that emotional connection, particularly at the college level when we're talking about literal teenagers what do you freaking do? It's fun if you won. It sucked if you lost, but so what? Texas A&M fined 100 grand by the SEC for violating the policy on fans entering the field to play after the fans flooded Kyle Field. They upset Alabama. There are fans all over the field. And so what there, too? 100 grand. And 100 grand in the SEC. Small change. Nice. Right. D- get off someone's uh, NIL. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan driving, lobbing, Rudy dunking. Don, behind the back dribble, stepping back on the left foot and scoring. That's a new move. Behind the back, in the lane, pushing back off the left foot. 
to create some extra space and scoring. Resets Royce over to Ingles. That's the left corner three for Joe Ingles when he buries it. Kick out to Hughes, left-hand dribble, nice pass to Pascal. He'll take the three right side and hit. Pascal's had a very nice game. Jazz beat the Pelicans preseason home opener, 127-96. A lot of guys sat the first two games on the road. But in this one, the starter started, the bench guys came in. Minutes weren't quite full-time, but they were pretty close. That's always good to get that first preseason home opener out of the way. <laughs> Check that box. Yeah. Uh huh. Let's get through this. Right. Nobody get hot, good hurt. Everybody look good. Gobert went for 19 points. Well, I don't really want to get hot either because the shooting can come and go. No time to be hot now. Don't waste your big games right now. Fire up all the bricks you want. Give the ball to me, Aoni. I don't think you're going to be seen as much in PK. Oh, you don't know that. You, right. you have a much knowledge about that as how many when the league's going to start playing games overseas. I think Butler's moved in <laughs> front of him. No. Why really? would you say that? Really? He's much bigger. Yeah, but they got guys playing multiple positions. They can slide guys around. But you didn't say guys. You went one versus one. Well, yes. When they <laughs> need someone in the rotation, they can plug in him or Forrest, depending on what they need. I think Mieoni's dropped back a notch. I think he's pretty low on the notch level, but uh, <laughs> I mean, he's got an athletic body. He's tall, so I was thinking defensively. And Butler's much smaller. But if that's the thing you're stressing about, you're in pretty good shape. Jazz will play the final preseason game tomorrow night against the Bucks at 7 o'clock. Well, you want to get in that preseason rhythm of playing preseason games every other day, so this is good. And then have a week off. I know, the whole week. The season doesn't start till tomorrow's Wednesday, obviously, and the season doesn't start till the following Wednesday. Wednesday to Wednesday. Seems like a long time, doesn't it? Gives them a chance for that mini camp. What they Work away doing? on those what, what, details. What do they do in Vegas? I thought that was the mini camp. How many mini camps you want? Uh, two or three. DJ PK. Hashtag NBA. Lakers sign guard Taylor Horton Tucker, and he's got 33 years, 32 million in the uh, contract extension in the offseason. But now he also needs surgery to repair torn ligaments in his right thumb. Laker injury list. It's going to be fun to follow that all year long. Well, he's a young player. My Laker guys had told me that they really liked him. An opportunity. People were asking about him and trades, and they're saying no. You know, what, what were they going to do at the deadline? Who were they interested in and all that? So, and, and he'll recover from this in time for sure, obviously. So he's a player to watch because they really like him. They like his athletic body and uh, the way he played last season. 76ers guard Ben Simmons reports to the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Spending the first two weeks of training camp away from the team while seeking a trade to a new team. Didn't happen. So he called and told the GM Elton Brand, I'm outside. Can you let me in? You need to come in, take the COVID test, get cleared to rejoin the team. It wasn't like something like $300,000 a day he was missing. Some of the and had he missed last night's game, really gone over a million. Yeah. I mean, that's just a staggering amount of money for someone no one's going to remember 10, five minutes after he retires. Uh, But that's the NBA. I guess you say they have to do it and defend the NBA on that. I don't understand it. But, yeah, this was obvious. Who would want him? I mean, if you you can get him on the real cheap, maybe. But he's going to cost you a bundle, so you can't get him on the real cheap. 
four years, $147 million. He's okay. He's a nice player, but not going to win you anything. And the Sixers won a lot for him. See if they can uh, get a steal from somebody else. So he's going to have to come back and uh, play for a while and presumably play a little better and play some of the time off that contract. So there's not a hook for so much shooter. You can't, and he can't. I mean, I think he's a good player, and they're better with him. I can see why they wanted him back. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. One, two comes, and it's hit in the air to right field. That one's got a chance to go. She's gone. Jock Peterson. There's a swing and a high drive in the left center field. Way back there. Still going. On its way. Adios. Pelota. Swing. There's a drive to left center field. It's going to win it. Meadows goes over and makes the catch. Santana tags. Here he comes. And the throw is very wide and late. And the Red Sox have won the division series. Red Sox walk it off 6-5. to five. Red Sox up 5-zip on the Rays. Rays come all the way back to tie it up. But the sack fly wins it. The team with the best record in the American League is out. The Red Sox survived the wild card with the Yankees and then beat the Rays 3-1 and on to the league championship series they go. You like him now to the World Series, PK? Well, I don't know who they're going to play. Houston and Chicago got oh. wiped out by the weather, so they right. will try again today. I, I, I can't say that. I mean, let's, let's see who they're set up against. It's, it's too early right now. Astros and White Sox at noon on FS1. Houston trying to close it out. The home teams won all three games in that series. They're in Chicago for game four. Yeah, nobody wants to go back to Houston. Well, they go, but they don't want to play tomorrow or the next day. I guess they'd have a day off. So, obviously, Houston has the advantage on that. They're a hot ball club, too, right now. And they've got something to prove with the World Series spiel a couple years back. So, that'd be fun if they got in there. Uh... But, I don't know, has Dusty Baker really paid his dues? Do I really want to see him in there when I can see Tony La Russa? <laughs> Over the National League, kids. Bra- Bra- the kids. The Braves are up, what are you, 110? Braves are up 2-1 to one on the Brewers after a three-zip win. Base running blunder early in the game, but they shut the Brewers out. Didn't matter. Oh, Becomes yeah. a footnote. Jock Peterson went to high school right across the street from Stanford. He's three for three in pinch hitting. It's a home run, man. Jock, jock, jock on heaven's door. Giants up two games to one on the Dodgers after a one-zip win. They beat Scherzer. One pitch. That was the difference in the game. Dirtbag goes deep. Evan Longoria. Rio Hondo College, as you know, and then over to Long Beach. The Long Beach State Dirtbags. Yes. He's a Whittier kid. They're... Same hometown, as you know, as Karen and Richard Carpenter. We've only just begun as he rounded the bases. And then, wow, one to nothing. Giants. That's that a classic what I've said on how to win postseason baseball games. Pitching You've got defense. to have it. You only need hitting when it's timely. Or in this case, one home run. The Giants with the pitching and the defense. Brent, Brandon Crawford's my MVP in the NL. You like that play to end the seventh inning? I just he's had a I, I, you'd think he's you would think he's on roids or something. I mean, my goodness, he's in his mid thirties and he's just not that he was bad before, but he just had a killer season. And yes, he climbs the ladder to take away a game tying hit by Mookie Betts. 
they just got it going on, man. And they seem to be, and I don't really believe in this, but at the same time, I'm going to contradict myself 100%. won't be the last time I do that. I'll probably do that uh, before we go to break this morning. Is that they seem to be a team of destiny, whatever the crap that means. I've never been able to get my hands around it. I don't know what it means, but it just seems like, man, whatever moves they make that uh, Kapler makes, it just seems like it's right. I would love to see it. To see them win four in such a short span of time, what, 11, 12 years? Well, they and clo- they changed over, too. They can close out the Dodgers. Yes, they did. They had so, to, well, Bo- obviously, Bochy and the dugout's gone, but a bunch of key players are gone. Well, everyone is gone except for Posey. Posey. And then Crawford, I think, was there for two of them. And now they're a game away from the NLCS. We'll try to close out the Dodgers TBS tonight at 7 o'clock after the Brewers well, pull and for the, Whoever wins this series, that's who I would like to see win the whole thing. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider at 8 o'clock. Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio and Pac-12 Network Analyst at 8.30. We'll talk John Gruden with him. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver at 9 o'clock. The question of the day is next. For the Utes and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes return to Rice-Eccles Stadium for a big Pac-12 showdown against Arizona State as the Utes hope to keep their dreams of a Pac-12 title alive. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 7 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hot takes or toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021. And you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text hair to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahhairmd.com. Question today up on our Facebook page, what is your reaction to the John Gruden situation? And it replies, as you would expect, PK, are all over the board. Really? David, indifferent, yawn. Yawn? Jared, he had to go. He did go. Colby, it's cancel culture at its finest. And are people looking at the football side of it? Eldon says Lloyd should be happy. Thinking the Raiders weren't going anywhere with John Gruden, and now they get to move on to another coach. And they're going to go somewhere with a new coach. Theoretically. (laughs) Coaching's coaching, you never really know. I'll never change my mind on that. That's the one time I'll say never. I'm always going to look at it and say, okay, well, that's the decision they made. Now let's give that person an opportunity to succeed or fail. And so check back in a little bit. 
No, there's no. I don't just don't think there's such a thing as a slam dunk hire. Maybe in college, with the money being so much of a disparity between school A, B, C, D, so forth, even in your own conference. Uh, so maybe that would help. But at the pro level, I, I just don't know who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, who's going to be mediocre. It's so impossible to, because obviously they think that whoever they hire is going to be really good or they wouldn't have hired him in the first place, right? So that's that goes without saying. But it just seems like, you know, the old the cliche proverbial coach hired to be fired seems to be so true except for a few of them. Belichick obviously being one, and even he was fired, uh, as we know. At Cleveland, didn't yeah. go all that well, right. so there was no hint he was going to go on this run at New England. No, no, not at all. And they struck gold with a fifth or sixth round pick, whatever it was, with Brady. Uh, and so, good for them, and good for uh, Bill, but now he's going to struggle a little bit. He's the only guy who never really struggled was Phil Jackson, because he was a genius. He picked his spots. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> Even Steve Kerr has struggled, right? Obviously, yeah. Well, Jackson's in the middle of struggling. Jackson, you forget. Jackson did struggle a little bit when he came back to the Lakers the second time. They were seven or eight seed the first year before they got the Gasol trade, and then they went right back to the top. Uh, yeah, but that's that's one year out of almost twenty. So yeah, yeah, that's not depending on what the season was. You could have won forty eight games. I don't remember what it was. I mean, it's. Just because seven, eight seed doesn't mean that you're struggling in a sense. You may not be a literal title contender that season, but the Sacramento Kings would give up a lot to be a seven seed just once in the next 30 years. <laughs> so that's my thought on coaching, and we'll see. They've got this longtime assistant that per, uh, they promoted what, uh, 20 years. Uh, Basashia, is that how you say his name? Yeah, something like that. Uh, but he's been there. He's been coached 11 years under Gruden, been an NFL assistant for 20 years, and it's an inter- interim thing anyway. So you're not really going to worry about that. Uh, as far as the other stuff, wow. I mean, that uh, seemed like it was over the top. And you're doing it in a basically a public forum where then you're exposing yourself to wherever that thing goes. That's crazy. I mean, why would you, why would you write something then it becomes, unless you're comfortable with that language and you really believe that type of stuff. Uh, so I can see why the Raiders reached the conclusion that they did very quickly. Makes sense to me. Colby says cancel culture at its finest. Brian says, well, since Gruden resigned, does that mean he canceled himself? Yeah, but I mean, are we getting into technicality there? Well, that three days from when the emails were sent, were the emails sent by the NFL with the clear intention of hey don't give him a pass on this one on this one email which the first email could have gotten some people fired it didn't get him fired so here's some more emails now do what you have to do and get rid of them what was the first email i didn't even uh, know the, the first, first email, email was about was the uh, about the uh, african american players association DeMarie director S- oh smith yeah right? smith oh, that the, one the lips that thing? one came yeah. out yeah, okay. first publicly that was the first one okay. whatever okay. was going on privately behind the scenes but All that right. was what came out first publicly so then they send more and it's three more days what are you doing were they negotiating a buyout did davis really think he could write it out and keep Gruden because they've got a personal bond. And what were the naked pitchers or topless pitchers, as Yach said? What, what, what were we doing there? What was that about? This came from Bruce Allen, I believe, and that's a whole other deal with old 
Daniel Snyder situation with the oh, Washington okay. that, football that's team. Unrelated to Gruden. There's yeah. so many. Like you're getting bombarded with this, and I can't uh, figure out which one's which. Well, they may have been forwarded to multiple people. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought Gruden see them going. It's like them. the uh, what was it uh, a couple years back in the Utah bar? Someone sent a uh, a topless picture. Remember that? Remember that story? It was a lawyer or something yeah. that. Somehow a picture ended up yeah, in, like in, the, in an email. In an email, yeah. yeah. And I can tell you through inside sources of the amount of jokes that were made on that thing, off the charts, by men and women, yes. And so the, did the lawyer lose their job over that? I think so, yeah. yeah. You, you, I'm sure you could look it up. Yep, uh, yeah. I know you're pure, so you didn't even bother to look at that story, but it's out there. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I know some people who work in that uh, area, and then they had a field day with that by all different races and religions and ethnicities, the whole spiel. So people do what they do there. Jared says, uh, well, there's a, a lot of back and forth about cancel culture here. And Jared says, it's no biggie, bro. We don't have to agree about everything. I think the NFL told the Raiders, either you take care of it or we will. Okay. The NFL was the heavy behind the scenes. All right. Sure. Maybe so. I mean, it's a bad look. And now it looks like they're doing the right thing. And, and everyone is image conscious. It doesn't matter what you're about and what business you are from selling cars to the NFL and to banking or whatever. Everyone wants to have the best image, especially when money's involved because you don't want to lose money. So you want to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward, so to speak, all that stuff. And you do that. And so I can see where the NFL wouldn't want this man to continue. My thing is, I, I would ask for some form of consistency. I've got no problem with what, what happened. But Kobe Bryant did something. He got fined. I mean, go read what Kevin Durant did with that. Was it Rappaport, Michael Rappaport, in the texting, in the language that he used? He got fined. Uh you know, the halftime thing that they're going to have here at the Super Bowl. I mean, go, go look up the lyrics to Michael Jordan. It is a rap song by Kendrick Lamar. Uh, and a bunch of another, uh, just like three or four songs I just looked at where we don't really refer to females like that. Multiple. We've got people who want the consistency, mm-hmm. and one of them is uh, something that hits home with jazz fans here. Steven says, good riddance. We don't accept this behavior from fans. Why would we accept it from a head coach? Well, it is good riddance. Yeah. He got So that, he got his say, wish. Right. If you say that kind of stuff at games, you get banned from arenas. For sure. Yeah. No problem there. Uh, well, it does depend on who you are. I think that's the next chapter in this story. I think, okay, so Gruden had these emails, and we know that he's linked to someone else who's already out of the NFL. 
But in all those Bruce emails, out of the NFL? right now he is. Yeah, oh, he was he was know. let go as president a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. But like you said in the in the case with the lawyer, you know, it gets forwarded. Lots of people commented. Well, okay, did these emails get forwarded and commented and and who did they go to? And under the under you know your theory about okay consistency, so this will happen to an employee. But does it happen to the employer? You know, is there the same rule there? It's an investigation into toxic culture. How much does the owner know about the toxic culture? And what happens to the owner? Or this applies to players, this applies to coaches, this applies to front office staff. Well, it doesn't. And there's a different set. It doesn't. It doesn't. It depends on the player. If you're good or not. Yeah. And what you look like. I mean, let's be honest. If you're good enough, you're going to survive it. Other things, too. I know it's a touchy subject, yeah. but if we're going well, to have, African, we're gonna have real players, discussion. But let's African, have real discussion. African-American players think that they've been fined by the league for ridiculous stuff. And now you got stuff that I think most people consider way over the line, and in the case of Gruden, way over the line multiple times, because there's multiple emails and multiple topics. Okay, so he lost his job. We got the but ultimate it, fine. If the owner is way over the line multiple times, does the owner lose their job? And the emails were selectively leaked. Who leaked them and why? I mean, Gruden went after the commissioner. There was intensely personal uh, demeaning stuff written about the commissioner and his ability to do his job. Gruden thought the commissioner was terrible at his job. Okay. So that's not a reason to be fired, especially as a non-NFL NFL employee. What's so bad about that? The way he expressed himself? I don't know. I didn't see it. What, how did he express himself? I can't say it on the air. But some of the language he's accused of, you, of using was directed straight at the commissioner. So did the NFL leak it well, what because was, it's was the commissioner. It, what was it, racist? Was it homophobic? What was it? Homophobic. Okay. So the players have seen the league come down on them. They've seen them come down on a coach. Will the league come down on an owner? That I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what it, it, what owner are you saying? You're, you're, Snyder. you're implicating some owner for doing something wrong. Snyder. Here. Dan Snyder. I, d- I, d- I have no yeah. idea. What did he do? I think people want to know what is in those other emails, and are they going to be leaked to any of those going to be leaked to the New York Times, too? He's been under fire for all kinds of stuff recently. Toxic work culture, allowing pictures of cheerleaders to be taken topless and then distributed to people when they shouldn't have been. There's a whole litany of things. Oh, then he'll probably have to go, too. That, that seems to be what you want, apparently. I think it's what the players want. I think the players are sick of being... The employee can be disciplined and fired. Or fined or suspended. I mean, there's a told backstory with how NFL players think they've been treated heavy-handed by the league. And now they're wondering if the employer is going to be treated the same way, if the owner will be. I mean, they think he's guilty. Is the guilt proven in the emails? Those emails haven't been leaked, at least not yet anyway. Maybe they will be. I thought this was about Gruden. I didn't know this was about Snyder. It's all tangled together. I mean, I listened for like an hour this morning to try to get up to date. I didn't hear anybody talk about Snyder. It was all about Gruden. I read plenty of stuff trying to read up on it last night, too. It was breaking during the games, and 
was tracking multiple games, reading it, and that was, I thought that was an interesting take from people. Because Obviously. I think with Gruden, an employee with multiple emails like that, that employee's going to get let go. Maybe the highest profile employee who makes the most money. But he wasn't an employee at the time. Right. He was actually an employee of ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't call him an employee. Well, he's fired now as an employee. Well, he resigned. Yes. Was he forced out? What happened over 72 hours? What were the conversations? We don't know that yet. Maybe we won't, but... It doesn't matter. He's gone. What difference does it make? Justifiably. I've got no problem with it. I don't see why you would go down that road in the first place. Doesn't make any sense. I don't. I don't understand really why he was doing it to begin with. As you weren't an employee, you weren't working in the league. What difference does it make for to, what? What got under his skin to prompt those things in the first place? I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. know. That, I don't know that we have a question of the motivation there. And are are words who you are? Because if words are who you are, well, they're gonna we're gonna parade Eminem up there, and he's obviously had issues. But yet they're gonna celebrate the biggest halftime show, you know, and all that stuff, and we're gonna run him up there, like he he's an entertainer, but you know he's an entertainer in the same way that the players are entertainers. So what's the difference there? If you're looking for Consistency, I don't think you're ever going to find it. If you're looking for fairness, I don't think you're ever going to find it. I believe me, at the top of the list, each one of us has some form of hypocrisy. And no one has it more than me. So I put myself up there. So it just depends on, you know, what side of the aisle you're on. And now we'll just have, and this will turn political because everything does these days. Well, we got right to cancel culture. It didn't take long. Politics, money, race. Everything is involved in that. Absolutely everything. In one form or another. All right, if you've got something to add, grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your take. Y'all could get to it. Coming up, DJ and PK, question of the day. Part two on the way, and Frank Dolce is talking Utes at 8 o'clock as they get ready for the game with ASU. The last two teams with undefeated conference records, 3-0 Devils, 2-0 Utes, meeting Saturday night. We'll talk with Frank at 8 o'clock. For more on John Gruden, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, is here at 8.30. Dylan Colley from the Cougars at 9 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, bed knobs and broomsticks. It wasn't raining yet, but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night. And my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room. And I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell is that? (laughs) 
That is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that, that had is, a crush on me. That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK remind you to join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. Question up on our uh, Facebook page this morning. An argument between Alabama and Texas A&M fans leading to a deadly shooting. Why do people take sports so seriously? I have no idea, man. I can't answer that. In a sense, I'm glad they do, but... I don't. Well, the passion certainly drives the uh, the media coverage, and that's good for us. But this is a whole nother level. Asked to leave a house, and two people going at it about their respective teams. Yeah, but we see it. That's not down. all the time, but we see it with some level of consistency. That fights. Fights. You go to the they game. You get alcohol involved. And maybe it was involved in this. I didn't see any reports. I don't know if it was or it wasn't. But nonetheless, nonetheless, why go to a game and have a good time and end up brawling, punching other people in the face? Well, alcohol is involved. Okay. You had a few pops. There are people who go and have a few pops and still don't punch each other in the face. I mean, I don't know if these two had a relationship and there was some, you can go with a bunch of what ifs, other background to the game. The one piece of the puzzle we know is the game. Well, because they're emotionally invested. I've seen fights. It happens all the time. Guys wearing another team's jersey. I mean, it's it's a regular occurrence. A death, obviously, is the extreme, but it happens frequently. Steven says sports like politics foster tribalism, and tribalism leads to extreme behavior and beliefs. I don't know what tribalism means. You're with us or against us. You're in our group or you're not. Well, I'm not. I'm not in anybody's group. Gabe says football is religion in the SEC. Right, but it happens plenty of places. Rob says sports is a win-lose scenario. So is bullying. Sports for all is teaching disciplined character and sportsmanship also teaches I'm better than you, arrogance, and negative competitiveness. <laughs> yeah, but that's sports. That's playing we're not talking about playing. We're talking about watching. Yeah. Talking about cheering, there, rooting, watching a team play. So there's there should be no competitiveness in watching a game. Your team wins. Whoop de doo. What did you accomplish? Nothing. You won the championship. <laughs> you didn't win anything. Oh, <laughs> they did. Your team did. I wasn't out there running with them. No. No. And that's fun. I get the emotional investment in that, and you want the buy-in. The teams want the buy-in, and they want to make money. That's why they sell alcohol. I mean, we talk about inconsistencies and hypocrisies, and we hear teams preach about, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Well, stop selling the money, uh, the alcohol. But they get they, they won't do that. And they'll say, well, yeah, so you know, 95% of them are just fine. Yeah, I get it. But there's still fights at games. Yeah. And iPhones have only made that more clear. Right. Everybody's got a camera now and they can post it on social media. And the language. So it doesn't have to be a fight for you to go to someplace and have it be ruined, have the 
event be ruined for you? Brian says it's because some fans are idiots, plain and simple. It's unfortunate that some people disrespect the game and other people over things. Yes, it is. It's extremely unfortunate. Because buffoons like you two sycophants continue to stir the pot, Bill says. Congratulations, you have both made a career out of it. We did it. I think I've made myself abundantly clear that it's all entertainment to me. Dusty says unfulfilled dreams mixed with hometown reality. That's deep. I'm trying to ponder that. So basically, I played dreams. I played high school football. I wanted to be the college or the pro star. I didn't get there. I pull for these guys. I talk like I'm one of them, although I'm not lifting weights with them. I'm not running with them, watching film with them. And I'm frustrated with my life and the direction my life is going or gone, depending. Okay, on but then go like Alabama, and then you won't be frustrated. Well, I mean, this is <laughs> Alabama and Texas A&M, so somebody was frustrated. The rare Alabama loss. I'll take. And my, I don't know which. I'll take my chances. Guy rooted for which team and all of we that. We got it. We don't. Yeah. You don't know the details. You don't have to keep telling us. We understand that. Uh, I don't see unfulfilled dreams and frustrated life and all that stuff. I see wackos in the moment taking it too far. I mean, it is a select few. I never understood why we've had these issues here in this arena. We'll just localize it because it's not unique to here. But the screaming and yelling at the players and all that stuff uh, just doesn't make any sense to me. Even as a kid... Before long before I got in the business, never would think of saying anything because I just when the game was over, that was it. I went on and I went outside and shot hoops, went to the park and threw the football or whatever. Actually, to me, it inspired me to want to be like them. But I but I guess I was different in that way, and I never really latched onto a team uh, to have your heart broken. And, and I'll get this here. If the, you should beat the Sun Devils, I get a bunch of people. I, I'll, I'll turn on my, I usually I turn on my mentions on a Saturday. Uh, if you want to interact with me during the games and they'll go at you like it really matters because it does to them. Did you realize how old I am? <laughs> and, and these kids that are 20 years old, but even at like 35, eh, it was fun. If your team wins great, but that's it. Lasts about five minutes. And then everything going on live is right back at you. Which isn't all bad. A distraction for two or three but hours. It's, it be, Take it's, it and it's run. Not, I, I, the word distraction has been used a lot. It's just a form of something to do. I don't need a game to distract me. Your life is your life. It's sort of funny because I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, and I said I'm I'm right at the top of the list of hypocrisy because I want you to be in mostly emotionally invested, but I prefer you not be too emotionally invested. <laughs> so let me tell you exactly how fired up to get. I don't want to stop being is. fired. Yeah, up. who am I to tell you? Well, I, that's what we'll see with this Gruden thing. Now we'll see a bunch of people will preach to us about this and that, and I, I'm so tired of people preaching to me. And we'll see it here locally, and we'll we'll be preached to about it. Blah 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 blah. I can't condone or defend anything the guy did, nor will I. But I'm also not going to preach to you 
you got to make your own decisions and hopefully you make the decisions that are a benefit to everyone. But if you don't, you don't. Uh, I can't call out anybody. I'm see the list of my sins runs a mile wide and 2,000 miles deep. Everybody's made mistakes and everybody's got baggage. I know, but, but now we'll get media types that'll preach to us because they feel like, like last year at this time when the Big Ten decided to go back, uh, the gal from USA Today, it's the worst decision, the worst day in Big Ten football. But yet there was no ramifications for that stupid comment. <laughs> the worst day, the worst day ever in Big Ten football. <sighs> so we got more preaching to. And, uh, I, just, I just turned the page on that stuff. Just have fun with it, man. Go to the game Saturday night. If the Utes win, great. If they don't, well, they tried really hard. And who do they got next week? Uh, got Oregon State, I think. Yep. And they'll try to get back on track then. So, And then people go after folks on uh, uh, um, Twitter and all that stuff. Wasn't there one last year something or two years ago, some guy in Heber? Went after a player from the Sun Devils because yeah. he didn't like a tackle or something. Yep. Yeah, and he, did he? I forget what the details were. Uh, Dentist or orthodontist or I, something? Uh, but not, not that. But that what going what after? The, oh, what, what he's, was the content? I, not I, who I the person was. I don't remember the content, but yeah. I remember they went after his employment afterwards. <laughs> All right, DJ PK, when we come back, Frank Dolce, Utes Insider, an analyst for the Zone, easy for me to say, Zone Sports Network, and Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, coming up at 830. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Time to welcome in to Ute Insider, Frank Dolce, analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. How are you? Doing well? yeah, I'm doing well, but you and I are bitter enemies this week. I hate you. Yes. Yes, we are, but I can't help it because I still like you a lot. So. It was an int- I thought I thought you had an interesting discussion going there about the uh, taking sports too far. I certainly I I would count myself in that crowd at one point in my life. Hopefully, <laughs> I, I figure I tried to figure it out a little bit. I'm still not perfect at it. That that's for sure because I get too invested in all of this stuff but you really because when I, I i when i talk to you you seem like you're kind of above it all you get more than anyone you're not on the team anymore when you're on the team watching film lifting weights running you're sweating right next to those guys and we don't have any of that investment so why would we 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 need to do we need to do this well it's not we i'm not up there lifting weights you know that's a funny it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, over over time, the the thing that has been most influential on how I uh, approach these games is uh, is the way that I've watched other people, other people who never took a snap, other people who never shot a free throw in in the competition. I, I've watched how crazy and ridiculous they act like I don't understand what their investment is and why they that goes to this whatever extreme like 
the the thought of their team winning or losing is some reflection on their life somehow. Like you're a winner or a loser based on whether or not the team you're cheering for is a winner or a loser. I that has been the most that has been the most influential thing on on how do I I try to approach these games these days. I mean, I yeah, absolutely. I want Utah to win. I want Utah to win all the time and I think maybe more than anything else, I I try to say, well, I want Utah to play well. I want Utah to perform well. I want, you know, to, I think there are more important things than winning and losing, like the effort and the the stuff like that. So, anyway, I it it is an it is an interesting. I think it's an interesting topic and interesting discussion. And man, if we could figure that out, how to how to go out, play a good game, be super competitive, and then you know, figure out that we're still generally, we're, you know, in a universal view, we're still all on the same team kind of thing. That would be a, I think that would be a huge stride for us. Yeah, one of my favorite bands, Zach Brown Band's got a song out, we're all in the same yeah. boat. And yeah. uh, talking about people and, and how uh, we we need to find more commonalities instead of differences. Because I agree with you as far as the effort. If... Uh, if you're sloppy, you're undisciplined. Uh, that that to me is bothersome because I think that what I'm looking for, like, and we'll take the University of Utah as an example, and I and I feel a certain I don't know closeness or kinship to the program. I've been following it. I know the co- some of the coaches I know very well, and you know to an to an extent a little bit socially even, and so you know I want to see them succeed, uh, but success. It can come. It, sometimes I try to look beyond. You know, did you were you disciplined? Did did you do the things that you're supposed to do? Because because sometimes you can just get beat, and and a team can just play a little bit better than you. Whereas other times, I mean, you fumble the ball seven times like you did, and some stupid stuff. And even though you won, it's like wow, man, that that really wasn't characteristic of what we've come to know mm-hmm. out of a Whittingham team who the man is so disciplined and regimented and doing the things that they're supposed to do and all that stuff and graduating kids and, and all that stuff that they talk about really is real life. And those things are important. So that's the way I approach it as far as that goes. And and that's what I expect from the Utes. And we didn't get that earlier in the season. And now, from the football perspective on the field, we're starting to get it. So maybe, for whatever reason, they were just a, it's a slow start this year. My thought for you, are they past that now? And who they were last Saturday, is this who they are? Well, that, that's also a good question. <laughs> which um, brings probably up another discussion about how how people manage coaches in, in in this. I mean, a few weeks ago, there's been times during his career when Coach Whittingham has been on on the hot seat, like super hot seat. And but you look over the course of his the entirety of his career, and you think, well, you know, wow, he's he's done pretty well. Like that's to think that he would be on the hot seat at some point. You think, well, maybe that's not. Maybe that's not fair. Kalani Satake's the same way. I mean, I think Kalani. I, I've always been a fan of Kalani's, but but he's he was on the hot seat not too long ago, yep. um, and he seems to have his team kind of rolling along. And that talk is, you know, now there's talk about him moving along. So it's it's just interesting. I don't know. I don't know what this football team is. I mean, if if they perform the way they performed Saturday against USC, and I, I, you know, I think it's, it's a, a USC team that's in disarray. So 
maybe that's not a perfect example of what this team could be, but, but if they perform that way, if they play the way they did at the line of scrimmage and offensively, especially, and allow everything else to open up, then I think it's a, I think Utah's a really tough team to beat. Uh, the, the, the fascinating thing about sports and following these guys who are, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old is, is that can they achieve that standard every single week? Uh, I, and especially with all the stuff that, that they have to deal with. So I think this is a team that has a lot of talent, a lot of potential. It feels like they, turned a page they got onto the right page and have the ability to be very competitive in the south in fact i would say that that i you know utah has jumped up in in my expectation about where they'll finish in the south so i'm optimistic i'm really optimistic about this team but i just you know I, I need a better sample size than one game against a team in USC that I think is in, in a little bit of trouble. It's cool that they got the first win in the Coliseum. It is the third straight game that, it, that USC has lost in the Coliseum. They are clearly in a little bit of trouble. So I think yeah. the thing that is not so much worrying about what they did to USC and Hanalik versus USC, just versus themselves. In previous game, we saw offensive linemen stepping the wrong way. We saw people blowing up running plays as the handoff was happening. And we didn't see any of that against USC. Like, guys knew what their assignment was, and they did it at least at some minimal basic level. And that's a big step forward. You've probably played with teammates who didn't know the plays and ran the wrong way, stepped the wrong way. And so just getting that straightened out seems like a major step forward because it was very unlike Utah to have those issues going on, let alone going on for so long. I Yeah, I've had guys uh, who – I had a guy regularly turn around and ask me as we were walking to the line of scrimmage, hey, what's the count? <laughs> we just broke the huddle, and I give him the count. You know, it's usually on one or two or some other – interesting thing and then we're we break the huddle and we're literally walking to the line of scrimmage and he turned around and say hey what's the count that was my center Oops. so you you talk about <laughs> you talk about a, an uncomfortable situation like wait a second he doesn't remember the count is he going to remember what is happening on this play that transformation i think for utah utah's offensive line was the most significant transformation i've seen out of this team and and by the way, that one piece opened up, seemed to open up everything else. All of a sudden, now you don't have question marks about the quarterback playing. You don't have questions about wide receivers getting separation downfield, and you don't have questions about uh, running backs only averaging under three yards a carry. It's it's just the most important position group on the football field offensively. And so the way that they made that step forward, you know, dialing, five, dialing in five guys, even having to replace one of those guys midway through the football game, and the, the way that they played together and worked as a unit, I think was the most significant transformation for Utah football this year. That's going to be the key for Utah moving forward. So, I, I mean, I just feel like it's safe to say as, as far as that offensive line goes 
as far as that offensive line leads this team, that's exactly how far this Utah football team will go. Uh, it's just that, much, that, that important to this crew. What's crazy to me, as I look at the history of Utah football since I've been involved uh, living in this uh, market for almost three decades now, is to think that uh, this is the halfway point coming up on Saturday. They had the bye. Other teams have already gotten there, but this will be their sixth game, so obviously they played 12. And with that in mind, I still don't know who the number one running back is. And in the history of Utah, since I've been following it, by this point in the season, we've had a clear, defined answer. But in my mind, we don't. I think that's crazy. Don't do you? Yeah, yeah. I so this this football season is for Utah is strange in a lot of ways. I think, and one of those is that uh, because it's been the foundation of Utah's offense for so long, especially under the Coach Whittingham era. The running back position seems to to um, be settled by game two. It's always we always go into the season with two, maybe three guys, and then two or maybe three games in, there's a guy and he just has emerged and has figured it out, and then we just roll with that. Uh, but but that hasn't necessarily happened maybe there's more parity in the running back group maybe it's just the issue of ball security and and there really isn't that much parity but but there you know there was one guy in particular that that couldn't hold on to the ball so i think thomas separated himself a little bit uh but again that 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 is he's you know to me he's one fumble away from standing next to Coach Whittingham on a Saturday afternoon for most of most of the football game, but the, he, very positive performance against USC for Thomas. Uh, I still like I still like Bernard. I think that uh, he needs to get healthy a little bit, but I think he is a very solid running back. I still like Pledger. I think that he's shown the ability to provide some spark for Utah in, in the offensive backfield, but. If I had to rank it at this point, it would I think it would be a clear Thomas uh, and then Pledger Bernard as guys that uh, come in to, to give him a, a breather at some point during the football game. So I know the quarterback gets most of the credit and most of the blame. I have uh, said for a long time the Utah receivers – not a very good group. Don't get separation. There were multiple plays against USC, and maybe this does have a lot to do with USC's defense, but there were multiple plays that Utah receivers got themselves open, Frank. A couple guys getting deep, a couple steps beyond the secondary, on the touchdown pass when the, um, in, in the first half. Uh, I'm blanking on the receivers, his first touchdown catch. But... Uh, he got to the Money near parks. Yeah, he got to the near sideline. He got separation. Like guys got themselves open and that's been an issue. Were you as impressed with the receivers? Absolutely. I mean, Monty Parks caught, caught that touchdown pass and I'm looking through the media guide like, where the heck did Money Parks come from? <laughs> you know, where, Florida. where's this guy been? Yeah. <laughs> so so I mean this 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 is a, it's an interesting, it was interesting the way the game unfolded and Utah being able to throw the ball. First of all, did you, did you see Cam Rising running for his life in that game? Nope. I didn't, because I didn't see it. So I'm and running. So that, yeah, running, he ran a fantastic touchdown, but, yeah. but the issue to me is, okay, so all of a sudden 
offensive line play is really good, really solid. Quarterback has time to make his reads, go through his progressions downfield, works out of a clean pocket. Because he has time to throw, now the receivers have time to get separation. It's really difficult for a defensive back. I mean, I've said this a lot, but but Deion Sanders may be the only guy that could hold on to a guy for the entirety of a play. Defensive backs, it's just it's it's an unfair advantage for a receiver. To, to especially if time starts running. I mean, you get four or five seconds downfield, it's hard to hold on to that receiver for so long. So offensive line play is good. Quarterback has time to, to throw the ball downfield. Receivers have time to get separation. I think all of those factors were, were important. The other thing I think we have to consider is, you know, how, how much was USC preparing for a, an aerial attack from Utah? Because Utah just hasn't demonstrated the ability to throw the ball downfield. So, I mean, USC super talented. I don't. I, it didn't seem like they were, you know, super engaged in stopping the pass. Like they, I don't know that they had prepared extremely well for that because Utah hadn't shown the ability to do it. So, I I think the we've seen what can happen with this passing game. Now can Utah do that consistently? Because I guarantee Arizona State, Oregon State, UCLA, everybody else on the schedule now is going to prepare to stop the passing game. And we'll we'll see how Utah responds to that. So got a key for the ASU game real quick before we let you go here. What are you thinking? What are you looking for? Well, there's two games on the schedule that – that really make me have a little bit, uh, you know, I'm a little nervous about for the rest of the schedule. I mean, all of the games are, are, are tough. I don't, I don't like the thought of them playing Oregon State. I think that's a good football team, even though they kind of imploded against Washington State. Um, obviously, Oregon is maybe the most talented team in, in the Pac-12, and so that's a, that's a tough one. But there's two teams like UCLA and Arizona State are, are teams that make me a little nervous because um, one because I think offensively they're they're pretty good uh, can establish a running game but most importantly they have quarterbacks that have significant mobility and Utah I, I, I want see I want to see Utah be able to contain that that type of quarterback and I haven't seen that yet so that's a concern. Um, and I thought, you know, Slovis doesn't present that problem against USC and then, or with USC. And so Utah, Utah pretty well hemmed in that, that, that offense, although they just have almost 500 yards of total offense, which is kind of funny, a funny stat to look at. So I think that's a big key. Utah have to, has to, you know, try to make those teams, especially Arizona State one dimensional and then contain the quarterback. If they can do that, that's a big that's a big issue to me. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, same thing. It just starts up front for Utah. You have to be solid at the line of scrimmage. I think Arizona State's very athletic in the defensive on the defensive side of the ball, tough up front. So I'd love to see Utah be able to establish a run and then work that play action pass game because I think if they can do that, then they give themselves a significant chance to win. If Utah plays on the level that they did against USC, uh, I, I favor Utah in this game, uh, especially if Utah can create a couple turnovers. 
if it goes the other way, if it's Utah that we saw in the first three weeks of the season, then then it's going to be a tough outing on Saturday night. Frank, we'll let you go. We appreciate the time. Don't get too wound up about your team, okay? <laughs> the, the team I get most wound up about these days are just my kids' teams, and then I'm the dumb parent on the sideline yelling at you know for red cards from the referee. But but I try to temper that as well. Most of the other stuff I'm pretty good at. Frank Dolce, Ute Insider and Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Thank you, Frank. Coming up, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst. His weekly visit is next. Reaction to John Gruden resigning. We'll talk with Lincoln in a minute. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Angela Lansbury, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. It wasn't raining yet, but it was definitely a little misty on that warm November night. And my heart was pounding, my inner voice resounding, begging me to turn away. And then you casually walked in the room, and I was twisted in the web of my desire for you. What the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) That is being blindsided. You guys all make fun of me like I'm the only person that had a crush on Angela Lansbury. You are the only person that That had a crush on Angela That is not true. No, it is pretty much true. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows. 2022 budget planning is underway. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving check while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. Lincoln, good morning. DJ, PK, it's LK all day. Here we go again. How you guys doing? <laughs> okay, we will talk some football with you. You know we have to talk yeah, I know. I the know. big news, right? It is the headline. And sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you get a question, and you can hear the question and think, man, it's loaded with so much stuff, but what I really want to tell them is over here, but that doesn't really answer the question. But it's really the most important thing. There's a lot of facets to this, and there's a lot of different ways to go. What to you is is the most important one that I should be asking you about? I, I'm, I'm honestly still trying to process what I found out in the last 48 hours. Actually, go back to the beginning of the weekend. Um, you know, first of all, not that it's, it's part of it, but, you know, my, my flight on, uh, to go to Las Vegas was canceled by Southwest Airlines. So I was part of one of the 2,000 flights that were canceled over the weekend. So I had to drive to Vegas from Phoenix, which is about a four-and-a-half-hour, five-hour drive, back and, and back after the game. Uh, it was an, an abomination of a performance by the Raiders, lost to what I think is a, a pretty decent Bears team, all compounded with this information. So it was trying to process everything. And then yesterday, hearing the, 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 the remarks and the stuff, the rest of the emails that were shared between Bruce Allen and, and, and Rich, I mean, not Rich, uh, John Gruden, um, it's been a little overwhelming. I, I, I worked for both of these guys. Bruce Allen was the team president when I was playing at the Raiders. Part of the reason they got me over from the Falcons to the Raiders was Bruce Allen, along with Al Davis, and John Gruden was a coach and had probably you know four of my best years playing under his uh, coaching 
or in a sort of coaching tree, the people that worked around him. Never once did I see an inkling of the information that I gather or I got from the emails or you know heard about over the last uh, couple of days. So this is all surprising to me. I don't know what to make of it. The first, you know, at first when we heard on, on Friday, you know, the email about Demory Smith, Demory Smith, the, the the executive producer or executive director of the NFLPA. You know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, sometimes you have a little bit of slip up, uh, and it was, you know, when he wasn't in the league, so you know, Connie, Connie gave him a little bit of a pass. Didn't necessarily allow, but just you know, wanted more information. Didn't have enough right now to make a to, to make a, a judgment. And then the rest of them, and in this day and climate, uh, you can't have that. I mean, you've got professional organizations that are changing all of their, you know, uh, ideology. They're changing all their graphics and everything else to try to be more quote-unquote politically correct, you can't have homophobic slurs and, you know, and and talking about people and stuff like that, like that, racist slurs. You can't have that. You can't tolerate that. So with that being said, was really surprised last night when the news came down from Mark Davis and the Raiders that they're letting him go. Uh, But same point, understanding why they had to let him go. Yeah, in my mind, as I read through it, and I don't have a depth of it because it's happened so quick, but just the headlines, basically, you you ask yourself, does the punishment fit the crime? And at least for me, and it's a personal opinion, so take it for what it's worth, but I think the answer is yes. Absolutely. I I agree with you. I I think it is yes, and I think it is, you know, what what you have to – it's part of the times. You know, the, the fact is is that we're trying to become a better country, I guess, and we're trying to focus on things that for people for a long time people just let slide and allow. And it's created some, you know, uh, some separation and respect. And, and, and we, need, we don't need more hate out there. We need more love out there. We need more kindness and happiness and tolerance, if you will. Uh, so, you know, having these remarks made by somebody who's in a very visible position uh, and one of the more you know, popular, uh, iconic teams in professional sports, just professional sports alone because it's the entertainment, you, you can't have that factor you know, hovering over someone's head. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, joining us. I think the, um, you know, I think the next chapter, the bigger story to look at here is the league will punish players and the league will punish coaches, but will the league hold owners accountable the same way? And I read some stuff about that last night, you know, the 650,000 emails, and there are people who believe it just stretches the bounds of credibility that these weren't forwarded and commented on by a lot of people, and the toxic workplace goes back to Dan Snyder. I will say on Dan Snyder's behalf, and I can't say I can't believe I'm saying anything on Dan Snyder's behalf, but he's not likable, and there are people who want to crush him for that. Now that aside, maybe he's not likable because he's said and done a lot of stuff in the way he's treated people and what he's overlooked. Do you think the NFL is sitting on info? about him because clearly stuff was selectively leaked about Gruden to make Mark Davis make a decision and make a move and get rid of Gruden. Yeah, you know, when, when the whole Washington football team 
changing its image, getting away from the Redskins and trying to find a new, you know, mascot and everything else came out. You fall, you heard about all these stories about Dan Snyder and his relationship with women and the toxic environment that he created within, you know, the, the Washington football team's organization. And, and then you heard about the possibility of pressure be put on by Roger Goodell and the other owners to maybe relinquish his ownership rights of the team. And I've always been with the mindset is like, how are you going to force somebody to sell something? You know, but at the same point, I'm taken back to the time um, when the, the Benson, who owned the, the Saints when he was still alive, that they were unhappy with the way he was running the organization. They thought he was running the ground, and there was, there was speculation and rumors out there that they were going to try to get it from under him. And then Hurricane Katrina had happened, and you know they, 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 the, the NFL wanted to make sure that they gave the, the people of New Orleans something to, to look forward to. And of course, the Saints ended up winning the Super Bowl, but that's another conspiracy theory for another day. But long story short, um, when it comes to Snyder and other owners, I'm always curious to how they're going to force the hand of powerful men or powerful people or powerful conglomerates like that. Um, but there's a, where there's a way, will there's a way. Uh, they find, you know, I, I think they, they can get things done, especially when you look at well, Buffalo. It's a completely different situation. But the Buffalo Bills speculating that they might go to Canada or move elsewhere, how it was able to find some ownership to be able to keep that, that team in Buffalo for the time being. Uh, things like that have happened in big, big business. It goes on behind closed doors all the, all the time. We just, as a general public, have a hard time figuring out how it happened or why it happened uh, and, and see if, if that it can happen again. What Coach Gruden wrote was obviously we agree, unacceptable, we believe the punishment fits the crime and all that stuff. I'm wondering through your years of experience and interaction with uh, dozens and probably hundreds, if not thousands of people, had you heard anything, any inkling at all regarding Gruden with those words? Did actions meet the words? Because words are words and it's not good. I'm not condoning it at all. But you'd have to think action would be worse than the words because then you're putting it into play. So do you know of any instance where anybody has anything to say regarding his actions connecting to those words? Honestly, no. Honestly, no. I've I've had my time in dealing with Gruden. I thought that we were pretty cool with one another. We were always on, you know, high speaking terms. I never got an inkling of a feeling that, that he felt that way. Never. Never saw anything, never heard anything, never felt anything. Uh, so that's why it was so surprising. You know, and a number of emails. And then, and then the, the, you know, the things that, that were shared. Him and Bruce Allen, as I said at the top of the, the interview, I, I worked under those guys. Right. You know, and never had a sense, never had a feeling that way. Now, guys will be guys. And I will say this. It's not excusable, but, you know, there was, a, there was a time in my life, in my 50 years, where I've used some of those words. I'm not a saint. I've used some of those words. And it, I don't think it necessarily meant it in a, in a, I mean, I've used them in a context or a place in which they were talking, and this is just what you know, people do at times. Yeah. Not saying it's excusable, but you would expect better you would, you would expect better out of people who are in positions of power or positions like that. Now, Gruden, mind you, at the time when he sent the emails, was working for ESPN as an announcer. I don't know if he ever planned on getting back into coaching again. But the fact that he sent them to a team website or a team email, the Washington football team, made it public. He had to realize that this was going to be public. 
or things that were done in the dark will eventually come to light. And the fact that the you know the the, the New York Times and the NFL was you know uh, investigating Dan Snyder, so that's one of the reasons why they were going through these things. You know, you had to feel or had to suspicion had to have the suspicion that eventually they would come to light and hurt you and bite you in the ass, and, and that's exactly what they did. So obviously the football part is not even remotely close to the most important part of this, but the football will go on and people will wonder about it. Is this Raider season shot? Can this be a playoff team? They had a bad game in Game 5. I don't know how much this was known inside the organization and how much that played a factor in a performance that didn't look nearly as good as some of their other performances. What do you think? Well, I will say this. Um, On the football side of things, I think it's actually good for the team because here's what I've, I've thought for forever. I wanted Gruden to relinquish play calling as the offensive coordinator, mainly because I wanted somebody to take the emotion out of it. I thought that Gruden wasn't able to see the field clearly, being down on the sideline, calling it from the sideline, and no other coaches do it. But I've always been of the, of the mindset that an offensive or defensive coordinator needs to be upstairs, needs to see it from a bird's eye view like I do as an analyst calling the games and take the emotion out of it. Call the game logically and what you see with the flow from your vantage point. You can't do that on the sideline. So if there's one promising sign that might come out of all this, Derek Carr and Roman know this offense, also know this offense um, back and forth. Uh, if anything is to be had from this, it's the possibility that you – you get the play caller upstairs to be able to see everything, which might bode well for the offense because they do have weapons, and this is a talented team. They were incredibly flat this past Sunday against the Bears. I don't know if the, if the information that they heard about the, the email or the possibility played into that, but they were incredibly flat, no rhythm. And, of course, you always, I, I always give credit to the other side because those guys get paid too. Chicago Bears came in with a great game plan game plan. They ran the ball down the Raiders' uh, throat. They were more physical on both sides of the ball, and the Raiders were soundly beat. That happens. Showdown here in Salt Lake City Saturday night. Who do you buy more, the Devils or the Utes? How about those Utes, huh? Yeah. Yeah, how about them? Um, Really well played. I've got to finish watching the ESC film uh, today, Uh, and ASU looked, looked, looked strong as well. But ASU has given Utah fits in the past, so um, it's it's one of those games of whether or not you think they can get them. I think the Utes are ready for them. I, I think they are. I think they've had enough warm-up, enough challenges through this season to say that they're ready for ASU. I expect it to be a close game. UCLA's already got the loss to uh, ASU, so if yeah. ASU wins this, they are sitting pretty. Uh, and UCLA's got a difficult game this weekend. Do you think UCLA pulls it off, or are they going to back out of this race all, all on their own? No, I think they pull it off and they make it interesting. That's the great thing about the Pac-12. I, I like the competitive side. And, and, and nothing is a foregone conclusion, a conclusion especially, well, I guess we're in the middle of the season, if you look at it that way, um, the possibility. But I think UCLA is going to make it close, uh, and it's going to be decided between the, the winner of this game between ASU and, and, and Utah. So, Lincoln, being a Phoenix kid myself, I always stop to get uh, Coke Zero in Wickenburg. I do not stop in WikiUp, but I do stop to get gas and maybe a snack in Kingman. How'd you handle that drive? (laughs) (laughs) Look, I tell you what, guys, it was not, it was, you know, Saturday, 
I think around was it around two. I think around two or three. I got the text message on my phone that my flight had been canceled, and I was supposed to leave around seven that night. So I was like, you know what? I got to get up to Vegas for the game. So I, I jumped on the road. There was a lot of traffic going into Vegas because there was a, a big weekend. Yeah, it was, a, yeah. it was a big sports weekend. You had the the Fury and Wilder fight right. on Saturday. You had, I think, the Aces played the the, the Mercury um, and, yep. and the and a playoff game on Friday. Yeah. Uh, of course, you had the big game Sunday. There were a lot of Bears fans coming into town. It's, it's a big sports weekend in Vegas. So there was a lot of traffic going up there. Had a couple accidents. Probably took me about. Five and a half, six hours to get there, uh, and I was not happy. By the time I got there, I was not happy. No, I wasn't. I was, I was dog tired. I was not happy. Well, thank There's, goodness they put the bridge over the dam and also exactly. the freeway, so you don't have to go through Boulder City anymore. True story. True, very, very true story. I mean, I was thankful for that. But there was a couple of there was a, there was an accident on the on the uh, on the, uh, the, the the ramp uh, coming out of Kingman. Um, there was an accident there, and there was also another accident that slowed things down. So it just made things rough. While doing the game and seeing that pathetic performance out of Silver and Black, I'm like, man, I still have to drive back. <laughs> and, I, and, 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 of course, I wanted to jump on the road because I knew it was going to get dark quickly and, and I wanted to get on the road. And it, was, it, was, it took me about five hours to get back, but I was so doggone tired and so doggone frustrated <laughs> with the performance I saw and everything else. I was just like, I just want to forget this weekend altogether. And then, lo and behold, Monday night, I get the information that my phone starts ringing off the hook about Gruden. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I said, it just doesn't, it just doesn't get any better than this so, or any worse than this. So it's been, a, it's been a trying weekend, and I'm still recovering. But, look, I, I've got to worry about from if, if Southwest is going to continue to cancel these flights because they're the airline I, I, I use. I'm not driving to Denver, damn it. I'm not driving to Denver, so we got to figure out something. Uh, maybe Frontier. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <huh? laughs> All right, we appreciate it. Thank you, Lincoln. Thanks, guys. We'll talk next week, okay? Be okay, good. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst. You saw him at Pac-12 Media Day, and now he's here firsthand for information, a personal relationship with Gruden. I can't believe it's played out this way. You were thinking, well, here's a guy who can talk about the Pac-12. The Raiders moved to Vegas. He gets the radio analyst job. Gruden gets hired. Well, he had it in news. Oakland. He was doing sidelines. When you, I, right, he was doing sidelines, yeah. But I mean, I, now I, he's a, obviously yeah. I've known him since he was a player. He, he was, was a, a for an offensive lineman. He was a massive name. I mean, he's offensive a lineman, human being. He is. <laughs> offensive linemen tend to be more anonymous, but he was so good that. And they have up at the Husky Stadium. They have banners on the outside, huge banners up at the top. Mm-hmm. I don't know, probably thirty feet or something of of famous players, not noteworthy, and he's one of them. So uh, well, if his if his Husky. Washington Huskies can beat UCLA this weekend, that would be a big deal for both Utah and ASU. Uh, I'm not ruling them out, man. I think they're gonna if even if I rule them out, I think they're going to have a say. Right, and they which can is have what a, I said all right. season long, and they can have preseason. A, they can have a say in the South by being UCLA and giving the Bruins a second loss. Well, no, I mean the Bruins. Oh, oh I, I see what you're saying. I'm not ruling the Bruins out, even if they lose. They still could have a significant say because I said in August and, and before that they will be a tough out this year, and I still believe that. There's oh. nothing has happened for me to think otherwise. Right. So that just means they can come in and they can come in and beat Utah. 
That's what it comes down to because now they've that's, lost. That's the they've very lost thing, to yeah, ASU. They, they've already lost to them. You're right. And and USC, who we thought could be a big game, they got all sorts of issues with three home losses and three Pac-12 losses. The only thing that's going to save them is if Dart gets himself back into the lineup and they feel a sense of revitalization. So Utah. Uh, I think so far has been fortunate. In fact, why don't we just wait and we'll hit this when we come back. All right, we'll do that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a bye week, the Aggies look to keep their Mountain West Conference Championship hopes alive as they head south to Las Vegas for a battle against the Rebels of UNLV. Hear all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Saturday at 4. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. We were just talking with Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, played for John Gruden, calling the games, and most of the conversation was about that. But we talked Pac-12 football at the end. He's also a Pac-12 network analyst. And does Washington have a chance to beat UCLA? He played at Washington. Obviously, Utah and Arizona State would not mind seeing UCLA get beat up there in Seattle. So you were thinking... I think that, I, and I've said this consistently, I think that particularly in the Pac-12, because that's the conference I follow the most, is that a lot of times the factors in when you play the teams that you play. Because right. I think Utah caught a break without Delora playing for Washington Are State. Are you getting any pushback on that? Because that seems spot on. Yes. He's... As a starter, I mean, he was lights out against Oregon State with yeah. the game on the line. My gosh. Yeah, I get pushback if I say clean air is good for Yeah, that's that a pushback on something else. <laughs> clean air is good, and obviously Washington State. You and, know, there are teams and where And you don't like the inversion. I remember you said that I don't, that, that so I'm totally with you on the clean air thing. It's okay when you say it, but it's bad when I say it. I get that. So Yeah, but I was joking. And you're serious. You do like clean air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hate, there, are teams where the, there are teams where there isn't a big drop-off between the starting quarterback uh, and the second-string quarterback. That's only if the starting quarterback isn't good enough. <laughs> BYU didn't have a big drop-off. Right, I knew you would go there. Well, but that's also true. That not in the Pac-12. What, USC didn't have a big drop-off. When they went to their backup quarterback, they lit up Washington State. Uh, for a half. So there is a big drop-off other places, and there's a big drop-off at Washington State. And if you weren't paying attention and didn't know that, the last game should have reminded you. And then by your saying that, I think Utah caught a break playing SC early. Because I think when Dart comes back, he can energize the team. And he should be back here soon. So I think that they're 2-0, and but... There are two games that they absolutely should have won. Now, the flip side of it... You're supposed to win the games you're supposed to win. So where's the, the big win, the hard win? ASU. This is one, <laughs> sure, for sure. This yeah. is the one, right. And, and I think that the flip side of it is they'll be on the wrong end of playing Stanford when they play. It doesn't mean they can't win, but McKee looks like he is a player who's going to develop big time. To me. Now, I'm not a, a quarterback whisperer, but I did tell you Brewer wasn't the guy. 
and I told you long before they even made the decision. And I might have been right on that one, luckily. Stanford uh, on November 5th. Right. And so the so thinking Friday is... Night. He'll be every, better. He'll be better. With every passing week, every passing month, yeah, he's got to so pick the, up steam. The Devils caught a break by playing Stanford early right. or in the season. So I think that stuff matters. So all these breaks... But are they even out also? Utah was catching a break. They may not break. even out in a literal season, but they e- even out over time. Okay, but in this case, Utah was catching a break early in the year against Washington State. While ASU two breaks. was catching a break early in the year against Stanford. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, that, yeah. Now you got to take advantage of those breaks. Yeah. I, I think Stanford for Utah is going to be tough to beat in, uh, what, uh, just under four weeks on that Friday night, November 5th. So will 7-2 and two win the division? Yes. If you have the tiebreaker. Yes. ASU, if, if Utah beats ASU, you think ASU will get another loss? 7-2, and two, I think, is a really good season in the right. conference. So, yeah. I think that I don't think either of these teams are going nine and zero, eight eight and one. So get to seven and two, hold the tiebreaker. You ought to be in good shape. I think that's what that's what it'll come down to, and I couldn't necessarily tell you which two. Oregon, Stanford, UCLA. There's plenty of tough games out there. Yes, and then they each have to play each other, which obviously one is going to get a loss. So. Acknowledging that the Devils go four and zero, they're in a great spot, but they haven't done anything to be on easy street. I don't think they're that good. I, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the year. Maybe they just sucked against BYU and and were off sides forty seven times and got their act together. I I can't say that. Maybe they have. Who knows? I'm going to be on a podcast tonight with this guy from uh, uh, ASU who. Uh, I've known for a little bit, and he's convinced. Now, he's a hardcore fan. His father is the announcer. He just mm-hmm. loves the Devils through and through. Uh, but he's convinced. He told me, oh, the, the, the road to the, the Pasadena goes through Tempe. And I'm thinking, buddy, I'm a little older than you, and I've heard that a few times. Like, <laughs> and if in, the road does go through Tempe, in, then that's fine. In the it's 80s, a, a, when all they had to do was beat the U of A, all they had to do was beat Washington. People think there was a big transition period for the Devils when they went in the conference. There wasn't. Those were the good old days. They really were. They Those were, were the set best up of times. big time. Their program was in much better shape then than it is now, and they had multiple opportunities, and they... And they finally did get it done, what, seven, eight years into it. But they had three opportunities before that, and they only had to win one game. So this guy might want to tone down his cockiness just a little bit. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in former BYU wide receiver Dylan Cauley. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning is underway for most businesses. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. <coughs> Dylan, good morning. How are we doing? We're doing well. We're doing all right this morning. I'm curious. You know, we all make predictions and make picks. People want them. Nobody follows these contests. Nobody he's straight he's straight up. Forget the line. Straight up. Nobody can really pick more than about seventy. If you're really red hot, seventy five percent of the winners. It's hard to pick right. a game before a game. But having said that, it was hard to pick that BYU game in the game after two possessions. They're up ten nothing, and there is no hint that they're going to be held to seven points the rest of the game and turn it over four times. And 
to the coaches, uh, A-Rod said this on TV, the amount of times that they lined up wrong or ran a play wrong for a play that they have practiced and lined up for plenty of times and run plenty of times, it, it was just uh, it was incredible that they, they messed up basic stuff they know. What do you think mm-hmm. turned that game around? Because at 10 nothing, there was no hint that stuff's coming. Yeah, I think ultimately, right, what it comes down to is, is I think BYU is just worn out. Um, and I think that comes with new territory, right? Uh, in order to put yourself in a position to be a, a top, top-tier <gasps> football program, it just goes back to the fact that your bad days can't be uh, anywhere near – as bad as, as your opponents, right? Especially at that level. And so, um, you know, I, I was at the game, uh, I caught the, I caught the second half of it and you could just, I mean, to be honest, like it was the, the receivers looked tired. They looked worn out. Um, they had some struggles kind of covering themselves up. Uh, and didn't really give Baylor the best opportunity. And so, you know, you hear about assignments and things like that, and it's those little things that really do make a difference. And, you know, uh, that's I think that was the biggest the biggest difference from what we've seen. And uh, you just that's you got to be able to maintain it. You got to be able to maintain it all season, and you can't make mistakes like that. In, you know, five six games in the season. Yeah, it was almost like the law of averages caught up with them because they hadn't lost a fumble through five games, which is stunning that it was that. And that's a large portion of the reason why they won. And then they have the three fumbles, which was a large portion of why they lost when you look at the turnover margin and losing that particular statistic Mm 4-0. And they were all devastating. Two created short fields for Boise. And then one, you looked like you were going to maybe possibly get a touchdown. You were driving and you know really would have made a difference. So... I can't say that it's an epidemic with them. I'm wondering, you know, was just that? Do you think it was just that one game? The ball got loose. They'll be more cognizant of it going forward, and they'll be able to get a handle on it. Yeah, I mean, once again, like you said, right? It's, it's the law of averages. How often does that happen to them? And over the last two seasons, how often does that happen to to Peeney and uh, to Tyler? Right? Um, they're generally. Right, very, very secure running backs who don't lose the ball. Um, you know, and through Jaron's first few games, and obviously coming back from that injury, he, uh, you know, you, you haven't seen him make some of the decisions that he's made, and so, you know, that's that's all part of it's it's one game, right? Now, on the other hand, I think we all saw exactly what Boise State is capable of, right? for the first five games of the season, they were only really a first-half team. And to be able to see all four quarters of Boise State football again, you realize why, right, they've been a top 25 team consistently throughout the last decade and have been a very good football program. And I think uh, this game for them was huge, and they kind of catch the, catch the wind and can hopefully kind of keep on the, the path that they – we're on from Saturday and, and playing extremely physical and playing that, you know, old school uh, Boise State football. When BYU, uh, the announcement came and BYU was going to the Big 12, I, uh, I started checking to see how often BYU had played some of these teams, how it had gone. It turns out for a lot of these teams in the Big 12, they've played them one or two times 
in bowl games. In the case of West Virginia, it was a regular season game, but it was one time mm-hmm. a neutral, you know, on the NFL field in Washington. Uh, there just isn't much history. So as much as you're starting to watch, you know, how this season is going to go because it looks pretty good, although it won't be unbeaten, and so this game matters this season. How much are you looking forward to? Uh, BYU at Baylor just because it's the start of a new tradition and there really isn't much to build on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it, it really does kind of give people an insight into what the new era of BYU football is, right, and the ability to go into the 12 stadiums. And I think it's a huge kind of moment for BYU and the Big 12 in the sense of the Big 12 gets to see what BYU truly brings to the table when they travel, right? Um you know, you've kind of heard about it and you've seen it secondhand, but to see it now firsthand with them officially saying, hey, all right, now all eyes are on you from the Big 12's perspective, and you're going to see, you know, uh, a very large amount of blue and white in that Baylor Stadium. Uh, and I think that's going to be kind of like that moment of like, okay, right, this can be good football, but more importantly, right, BYU is going to travel and they're going to bring in the revenue necessary uh, to make this a good move. So that's, it's, it's huge. Jaron Hall looks like he might be, I don't know if he's hesitant to run. If they've told him not to run because his injuries have occurred on runs. Uh, well, he's such a dynamic athlete that I think it's a shame and it will hurt BYU if he can't use his legs. Uh, so with that in mind, if he's hesitant or they've told him not to run, whatever it might be, would you consider going to Romney? It looks like Romney might be, I can't say it unequivocally, yeah. but he might be a better passer. Uh, I don't I don't think so. Okay. I think I think you you stay with Jaron and obviously right the the injury that occurred, it wasn't just a matter of hey, we knocked you out of the or you knocked the you got the wind knocked out of him, right? Um and so you know, in order for him to be effective, and, and BYU knows this, the offensive staff knows this, right? He needs to be able to use both his his arm and his legs, and so, you know, that type of game plan is is huge. It's just a matter of ensuring that hey, this is bigger than you know. You need to go out and win games, and we need to win games, and so we need to use your feet. We need you to use your arm, and whatever we have to do from the mental side. Right, because physically he's going to be taken care of. The, the guy puts in more work than anybody, and he's going to make sure he's 100 percent healthy. And the training staff is going to take care of him. But we need to make sure that he's locked in mentally to trust that he can use his legs. And they need to make that a part of the game plan. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to kind of keep people on 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 their toes. Um, both of those aspects are, of his game are so good that you can't just you can't just replace him. Uh, you got it. You got to keep rolling with them because I think it just shows a lot of trust in your game plan from the very beginning, and not hitting the panic button just because one game down, right? Well, the other thing is, even if he can't or doesn't or shouldn't run, whatever, the defense doesn't know that. I mean, the threat of him running is worth something, whether he runs or not, isn't it? Absolutely, no question. But you do need to be able to see it, right? If you if you bring the house and he's trying to get outside the pocket, but he sees the lane and there's a couple defenders, uh, it's very easy for a defensive coordinator to tell, hey, he's hesitant in hitting that hole, right? Uh, and so that threat can only last so long. It's got about one more game in it 
but if he doesn't, you know, start start running, teams are going to start to compress and know, hey, this is this is a little bit more than just knock the wind out of him, or this is a little bit more than, you know, hey, uh, I we're just not running because it's part of the game plan, right? Yeah. So you look at the second half of the season; they're at the halfway point, and they're five and one. We know the teams they beat going forward. Looks like they would have victories minimally over Idaho State and Georgia Southern, so that brings them to seven. And they've got four more Power Fives with Baylor, Washington State, uh, Virginia, and SC. So to get to nine, all they have to do is split those four games. And I think obviously, well, the goal would be to win all six, obviously. But mm-hmm. maybe and to me, if you go ten and two this season, that, that's a really good season. So you're looking at uh, what eleven and one and ten and two. Uh, pretty pretty impressive when you think about it. What do you think they do? Can they get to ten wins? Yeah, I mean, it it is it is all a matter right of how consistent they stay. If this is hey, we're going to play three games and then have a hiccup game like they did the other day, right? Um, or hey, the next three games are super close, then you're kind of bound and inevitable to to lose the fourth one. Um, if if they really bounce back from this game and pick themselves off and say pick themselves up and say hey this is we can't let this happen again and here's how we're going to do that right here's how we're going to ensure that we're playing consistent football that our bad days really aren't you know awful days <laughs> like like uh, this last Saturday you have to ensure that that type of confidence is instilled in everybody and you're able to go out and execute to be able to be a part of that big, you know, tier two, tier one college football program. Um, but if it's we're hanging by a thread for three games and we lose one and hanging by a thread for another three games and lose one, it's just uh, I, I think 10 wins is very difficult. But I, I personally have faith that everybody, you know, is picking themselves up and saying, okay, we don't let that happen again. And, you know, they can go in each week and, play football the way that they know how in the most consistent way possible in the way that they did it for, you know, both of the top 25 wins that they had. Right. Uh, and so now it's just a matter of climbing back up the charts and making sure you kind of make a statement and prove people, uh, prove people wrong. Do you find Baylor to be a little bit of a mystery? Have you been tracking them this year and you got some stuff you definitely know about them? It's definitely a mystery. Uh, and that's only because of their new offensive coordinator, right? What are they bringing to the table? What are they going to show? Who's the one that's actually calling the plays? Um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the big question, right? Uh, depending on how many times they fake the jet sweep, you'll have a pretty good idea of who's calling the plays. Um, but, I mean, this last week, I think you saw a different Baylor football team. They were, you know, exciting, fun getting it through the air and making an impact on offense. And so, you know, uh, it's all, it's all just dependent about how much power they put in, in Grimes's hands. So you're saying Grimes likes to fake the jet sweep a lot. Yeah. I'm not sure if you were uh, able to watch 2018, but I probably faked the jet sweep about <laughs> 1500 times. Well, you got yourself in shape then. Oh, I was in shape. <laughs> sideline to sideline, baby. 
Hey, they had to respect your speed. No question. What did it say about no you? Question. I think it said good things about you. You seem to resent all those uh, 40-yard gassers you had to run. Let me tell you, it was a, uh, it was a tough one. When I did get it, though, it worked out. It wasn't, it wasn't a half bad, but let me tell you. You think it was we, punishment or something? So you just said, it, it instead of after been. practice, just do it during the games? It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it, honestly, it may have been. It may have been. All right, Dylan, we appreciate a few minutes. We will watch for the jet sweep and <laughs> jet the sweep. fake jet oh, I'm going to watch them both. I'm going to watch for the jet sweep and the fake jet sweep. When I can't Absolutely. sleep from now on, I'm going to have Dylan Colley in my mind. Instead of sheep, he's going to be running sideline to sideline. <laughs> just, just side One Dylan Colley, two Dylan Colley, three Dylan Colley. No question. No question. All right. Thanks, Dylan. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. All right. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. I sense a little bit of irritation. It's always the little thing. (laughs) Could I run 40 yards downfield? Because that's why most people want to play wide receiver. You got me running from one sideline to the other. Now, I saw every game in 2018, but I don't remember that. I can back him up. It it seemed like... I don't doubt him, but it hasn't stuck with me three years later. Here comes the motion. They're not handing it off again. It was him Here comes the motion. And number three, Dylan Colley, more often than not, was going... It was him or Micah Simon. Remember Micah Simon? Simon, who were number 13. Sure, Those are like the two like Simon, dudes yeah. who do it all of the time. <laughs> At least A-Rod, when he runs it, actually, yeah, you know, hands it off once in a while. Well, uh, I don't... Was a- A-Rod wasn't on the staff then, was he? He's been on the staff the whole time with Grimes. No, no, no. I don't think he has. I thought he was there yeah. A-Rod for a year in. on the staff, but he wasn't a coach, wasn't right, he? he was an like analyst, a, when he was an analyst? Like, yeah, but he was. I think he was just a volunteer because they were going to add the 10th coach the next year, and they were going to add him. Now, Yach's looking it up because he's like you. We question his accuracy, he's, so he's going to the computer. <laughs> People in the car want the facts. Joined the BYU staff in 2018 when Jeff Grimes came in. Right. He was an offensive consultant in 2017 when they had the awful season with the old stuff. Oh, the consultant year was 2017. Okay. right here. There it is. There it really? is. He, yeah, we got it he's all. Been, he's been the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator the entire time that Grimes was there. He has been there with him side by side. And, and by then why didn't they just hire A-Rod as the uh, offensive coordinator? Because he hadn't been fired yet? Who hadn't been fired yet? A-Rod at Utah. Yeah, he had. Because he was there in 17. 17, when they went 4-9, and nine, he was an offensive consultant that year on, with the Titans. Then why didn't they just hire A-Rod as the OC then? Because they wanted to get Klein. Jeff Grimes, I guess? I yeah. don't know. Why? Because he only lasted a year as a play caller, and then they gave A-Rod. A-Rod's been calling the plays for over two years now. All good questions for Kalani. Well, it doesn't matter. And now it doesn't matter. Not that Grimes was... Uh, Dirt by any stretch because he won a lot of games there, and that was a great move. They needed somebody who had experience, and so they went from almost no experience to bringing Grimes and A Rod. And I think that's a significant factor as to why they've been as good as they've been the last couple of years because they've got everybody on that staff. They don't have any more rookies, and I've been saying that for years. BYU is not an entry level job, particularly at coordinators. It just isn't anymore. Unless you've been like a Lincoln Riley and you've been there, or like a Kyle Whittingham, that's another story. 
You know, Kyle Whittingham was a rookie head coach. Of course, it was the Mountain West at the time, too. But at the same time, he'd been in the, in the program for so long that that's a little bit different. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. And one thing that just broke while we were talking to Dylan Cauley, updating an NBA story next. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a bye week, the Aggies look to keep their Mountain West Conference Championship hopes alive as they head south to Las Vegas for a battle against the Rebels of UNLV. Hear all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Saturday at 4. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Donovan driving, lobbing, Rudy dunking. Don, behind the back dribble, stepping back on the left foot and scoring. That's a new move. Behind the back, in the lane, pushing back off the left foot to create some extra space and scoring. Resets Royce over to Ingles. That's the left corner three for Joe Ingles when he buries it. Kick out to Hughes, left-hand dribble, nice pass to Pascal. He'll take the three right side and hit. Pascal's had a very nice game. There are the highlights. David Locke on the call. Third of four Jazz preseason games. The first home game. The Jazz beat the Pelicans. They get the win and they play the big names, if not big minutes, at least substantial minutes, somewhere from 20 to 30 for most of the guys. And after a couple of road games where there were DNPs all over the roster among starters and regular rotation guys, this one looked different. We were trying to follow three or four games at the same time. The Red Sox game was going for a while there. It wrapped up, but we still had Dodgers, Giants, Monday Night Football, and the Jazz. They passed the eyeball test when I flicked over, PK. I didn't watch all of anything. I watched a little of all of them. But while I was watching the Jazz, I thought, well, that looks like the Jazz right there. I'm happy that uh, you think that. I'm sure they're happy that you think that, too. I bet they don't care. (laughs) My favorite part this time of year, and we'll get to it here in another week or so, oh, man, he's in mid-season form. I love that. I love that cliche. Oh, really? That's your go-to? Yeah, he looks like he's in mid-season Because I always say I knew that was coming, and I didn't. I thought you were going to go to, hey, this group is clicking early. We've really come together. The guys really like each other. Well, they play Fortnite now. So uh, that is that the th- that I thing? I think it was Call been? of Duty. Call of Duty. Call, Call of, of Duty. Duty. I knew it wasn't Fortnite. You're right. Yeah, so th- if that doesn't guarantee a title, they stay up late playing Call of Duty together. That matters. There it is. It's all you need to know. <laughs> they beat each other, beat each other up in practice all day, and then play Call of Duty all night. Yeah, that's. Hassan Whiteside says everybody says they're close, but this team actually is. And that's great if it helps you win a title. How many playoff wins is that worth? Yeah. <laughs> Let me know. I'm all for it. I, I mean, chemistry matters. So does talent. So does foul trouble. So do injuries. Talent matters more. <laughs> talent. You really want the talent thing. And I think they've right. got it. You want the depth? You want the star power? You want the depth when you need it. Mm-hmm. You want star power? Donovan Mitchell dribbling into a three, on balance, crossing over. He's a, a star. Shake and bake. He's a star, yeah. I don't know, he's a I don't star. know how you stay in front of him. Uh, yeah, I think NBA is about team defense rather than individually. 
you can overcome some weaknesses that way. Majerus made a living off of that. Uh, so I think Gobert's a star. I, I think they've got the talent. They've got Gobert nineteen and nineteen in the preseason game. It's midseason form. You love that. <laughs> now you're happy. And you can move on to the next game. I know you checked the Jazz out for a while. Was it the NFL, the one you devalued the most, stuck with the playoffs? Well, I went to the NFL and saw that the Colts had a big lead. Of course, they didn't hold it. And that then I uh, checked the score, went back to it. I got, I got locked in. I was in the Jazz in the beginning because I figured the guys would play early. Then they'd make the substitutions. And so I did too. Uh, I, was, I was surprised to see Donovan play in thirty minutes. Mm, yeah. Okay. Sure. Because I was, I was with that, you. Yeah. I thought guys were going to be in that twenty to twenty-four. You know, play half the game. But maybe. even the, the the second portion or the latter portion of those minutes, the game was a blowout. Yep. So I didn't know what the other team was going to do. What were the Pelicans going to play? How much were they going to play their guys? Because you play your guys thirty minutes, but they're playing against guys at the end of the bench. What difference does it make? Right. So. It's not just your guys. Uh, so uh, I watched a lot of the first half. Then the Boston game, I saw, got real close. So I locked down on that. I, I wandered off at 5 eight, nothing. Nine. I thought, well, the Red Sox have them. But I've got the baseball app, and they, and they let the you scores. know the Rays are coming back. Yeah. So I flicked it back on um, in the eighth when it was 5 3, and then boom, they got three straight hits and tied it up immediately. And I thought, okay, I'm on to this. And then, of course, uh, it ended in the bottom of the ninth. And then I went and uh, went uh, to the Dodgers, Giants. And Classic then pitching postseason. Went back to the NFL yeah. when it got OT. And so I had that. Baseball and football, fairly easy because there's a little dead time in between pitches and plays and so forth. But I didn't break out another device like I do on Saturdays. Kept it to one screen. Yeah, Saturdays I'll go three. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll go TV, computer, phone. And so that's, and I'll have the computer, obviously, laptop by the name, and then I'll put the phone on the bottom of the laptop off to the left. And then I guess, so I got the TV off to the right, laptop, phone, bottom left. And then you can pay attention to uh, all three particularly in the Pac-12, because they tend to play a lot of games uh, at the same time. And I feel like... How else do you track them all? And, and Yeah. Per, well, basically, I, when you get to that 8.30 window. As they relate to Utah, you know, because they, they, they're playing somebody next week. If it's, if it's Cal and Oregon State, and they've already played those guys, or they're not playing them, I'll, I won't be as involved in that one. But if they're if they're going to play Utah the next week or the week after, mm-hmm. like Oregon State and Washington was uh, Washington State was Pac twelve. Well, this good right? news you only need two uh, two night games this week with UCLA Washington. Second half will overlap with the first half of the Utes. Mm-hmm. There's only five Pac twelve games, but only four on Saturday. So you get a bye, you get a Friday game. It kind of thins things out. Yeah, this past Saturday was was good for me with BYU being spaced and Utah State not playing. So there was distance between the Utah and the BYU games, and that's why I had. But I did have a Bama. Washington State and Oregon State on my phone. You had the Bama game on, didn't you? Uh, going back and forth. Yeah. I thought watching that Ravens game, the amazing thing was, in, in the end, Jackson throws for 400 yards, 
which is a massive number, and and the four touchdowns on the final four possessions, they had nothing going. Now, I missed it, and I got it actually in one of the wrap-ups that I stumbled into, was that the Colts along the way, and because I was flipping back and forth, I didn't see every play, that they lost somebody on the D-line, they lost somebody in defensive backfield, and athletically, they just they weren't good enough, they couldn't keep up, and... But it was amazing the way that game flipped because the Ravens just couldn't couldn't get it going. And then once they got a roll and they couldn't stop. Well, that's why you gotta play the full forty eight minutes. Or sixty. And the Colts left plenty of points on the field. The kicking game the woes continue. There are plenty of missed kicks Sunday. There were plenty of missed kicks Monday. Miss an extra point. Go for two to make up for it. Miss that. Thought they were chasing points early there. And then have a field goal blocked and then have a field goal missed. Oh, I Lots of points Chasing out there. points. You just missed a PAT, so what makes you think that you would get the PAT the second time? I never understood that. That's, a, that's an ex-jock cliche. Chasing points. Because you make 90% of the extra points. That's why you think you're going to make the next one. You don't think you're going to miss two in a row. Okay, but what is the percentage on the two-pointers? It's about, uh, it changes year to year. The number I've seen has been like 38 to 40%. Okay, so isn't that like a two-pointer versus a three-pointer in the NBA? So, no, because if that means 75, you you're get... getting way bogged down, buddy. <laughs> 75 to 80 instead of 90. Down. Way the odds bogged still favor down. the one. Way bogged down, man. The odds still favor the one. So then go for one every time. Because the odds are favored. That's the way you live your life. What do the odds say? Boom, I got to go this way. And then meanwhile, you won your $2.10 at the racetrack. Nice. On a $2 That's bet. why I put two bucks on Secretariat. <laughs> and you won well, your $2.10. I was too young, but I knew a guy. <laughs> and he took care well, of Well, you went offshore. The Dodgers and Giants, the, uh, the thriller of the night. First off, you're familiar with falls in Southern California. That weather, that was nasty. Had one Dodger fan in a group chat during the game saying, no ball will fly out of Chavez Ravine in this weather. Well, one did. Evan Longoria, the well, game's I, only run. The solo stadium homer. is not Chavez Ravine. Yeah, I know. Because no, one, no, no ball is flying, flying out, out of Chavez, Chavez Ravine. Ravine. That'd That's be, the whole area. That would be like a 3,000-foot home yeah, run. Yeah, right. Over the police building out there. And it would have center. to be, you know, in, a moon in, inordinately high. A literal moonshot. Yeah. Shout out to Brandon Crawford for making the defensive play of the postseason. Two out runner at second, guys going on contact, and Crawford way up in the air. Just grab that line drive and save that run. Got to time it, time it very well, and he did. Yeah, good for him, man. He's my MVP of the National League this year. Bryce Harper, sorry. Dodgers, going to make it tonight, make it a five-game series, or the Giants close them out? Oh, man. I'm not going to bet against the Giants. Team of destiny. Yeah, but I I had this thing going five. It just seemed like it was the right thing to do. And if it went seven, if it went nine, I would go that way. 107-win team, 106-win team. Yeah. Rivals. Yeah. Close head-to-head in the regular season. Yeah, so I assumed it would go five. It may still do it. For our entertainment value, ultimately I don't care who wins. Uh, but I, I want to be entertained. Give me another game. I would love to see this. I, I wish uh, uh, Tagliabue would make a ruling, make it go seven, have <laughs> the commissioner come in. So there have been two guys who have been getting a lot of pub here uh, late in the NBA offseason, into the camp and the preseason. Uh, one is Ben Simmons, and he reported in Philadelphia. The other's George's Niang. And saved himself a lot of money by showing up, taking the COVID test. Getting himself back into the Sixers uh, 
camp and rotation and he'll get paid. Never mind. But go ahead and trade me. But since you can't trade me when I'm not here and I'm going to lose money, I'll come back, but still trade me. But I'll get paid and I'll play. Who's dying to get Ben Simmons? Nobody. That's why he had to come back. <laughs> the league doesn't want to pay. Yak, what was the number on that contract? Was it four years, $143 million? Four years, $147 million. $147 million. Okay. Which team views Ben Simmons as the missing piece? To whatever uh, that missing piece is. Now, for some teams, somebody, missing yeah, missing some piece teams might get closer. to the playoffs. Oh, okay. But I'm, I'm not talking to the, necessarily right. the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, whatever your legitimate goal is going into this season. Rumors out there involve the Kings, the Warriors, but nothing's come to fruition so far. And I just don't see it. Now, the, the, the Warriors want to be solidly in the playoffs, and the Kings want to make the playoffs, right? So there's levels of what your Kings. realistic goal is. Either you're a contender, you want to be solid in the playoffs, you want to make the playoffs. Kings have been in the lottery 15 years in a row. That's the longest streak in the NBA and by what are you a solid give up? margin. Well, and that's the thing is not only are you going to have to pay him, the Sixers are going to want a lot. So, so it's not happening, so that's why he comes in. Now, Kyrie Irving, the Nets have just announced just in this hour that they are going to say you can't be part way in. They're, because of the way things have been done in New York, we don't want to get into too much, but it was okay for him to practice, but it wasn't okay for him to play home games or the Nick and Warrior road games. And now they're saying all the way in or all the way out. We can't have you in, in and out, depending on where we're playing or practicing on any given day. So I'm thinking... Yeah, only announcers can get away with that. I'm thinking we're going to be seeing Kyrie Irving here full-time. He's not really going to sit out, is he? He's a man of principle. I know, but... There's far more important things than basketball and money. He's told us that a thousand times. How many he was going to save the world this time last year. Like how flat many, earth conspiracy theories. How many players have we seen sit out even portions of a season, let alone a full season, with the way the money's gone How many people are Kyrie Irving? Okay, you got me there. Only Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. Or like Kyrie Irving. He's had drama everywhere he's gone. A handful of NFL wide receivers can say that. A small handful. You're right. There is drama everywhere he goes. So if anybody, I agree with you, there's a lot of cash, but if anybody's going to do it, it's him. I'll give you that. I agree with that. If anybody's going to do it, it's him. But I would still think he'll be I hope he sticks to his principles. (laughs) I don't even care what his principles are. I don't even know what they are. I don't bother why he's in the East. I'm not worried about it. It's not the team I have to follow for work. I follow it just for interest. Odds makers have established them as the NBA favorites. Right, so I'm going to follow them as an NBA fan, and they got Durant, and I love to watch Durant play. Actually, NBA GMs established them as the favorites. That NBA form. head coaches. Don't know about them. NBA sixth men's of the year. And seventh men's. All the Joe Ingles <laughs> getting together for a vote. Guys who play Call of Duty at night. <laughs> In a pool of Call of Duty players. Hayward's thinking, my gosh, I'm a video dude. I could have stayed there and played with those guys. I could have had my jersey retired. Oh, well. Technology's there. He can play remotely. Yeah, but they don't want him. He's not part of the club, though. You be This is this is a fraternity. 
That it is. I mean, they ought to have Otis Day in the Nights perform. That's an old school fraternity <laughs> reference that not everyone got. Oh, everybody's got Animal House. Not everybody. That's like you'd Gone be, with the Wind. You'd be surprised. Yes. Every single one person get on our app Who would and be say, have you never heard animal, of PK. Animal House? Yeah. PK, I think there's not as many people that know that movie as you would imagine. But they know of Animal House. But they don't know of Otis. Right. I got you. I understand there. So, but I. That's why I made the connection to Animal House. That helps. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, your feedback. It's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Football Fridays are presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Time for your feedback. Everything you've had to say about today's show. Show, show, show. (laughs) Uh, As far as the question about uh, why do people get so involved in their in their team? Why do fools fall in love? Why Why is a guy shot and killed after the Alabama Texas A&M game in an argument over two college football teams? Because it's important. Matt says it's because people wrap their whole identity around a team. You see it in religion, politics, sports, etc. Cub Scouts. Cub Scouts. <laughs> what? Wrap your whole identity. That's tough. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. But when it's over, it's over. Now you've had more time to think about it. Dusty says the answer is unfilled dreams mixed with hometown reality. Is that just too deep for you? Yeah. People carrying frustration in their lives of the way things are going, and they were a high school football player, and now they got they get wrapped up in a college or pro team. And okay, but didn't you know by the time midway through your senior season, if not earlier, this is it? Oh, yeah. 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 The countdown through the last, uh, the second round of league, because I played a sport basketball where you had double round robin. Mm-hmm. The second round of league, you could just, you could feel it coming. There's, there's eight games left. There's six games left every week. Tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And you know. And I got to admit, when I, but I actually played a year after high school and then I was done. And when that was done, taken off the uni, I knew that was it. And it was sad. And baseball hurt for a few years. I got over it, but I didn't want to shoot somebody if, well, I didn't really have a pro team that I root for anyway, uh, but it, I never took it that far. And I would think football, of all the sports, even though it's the most popular, it also should be the one that you're easy, more easily able to let go. Because in football, the game is only part of game day experience. It's with your family and friends that you tailgate, or if it's if they should get lucky enough to play a day game, go out to eat afterward, and it's a whole like it's a whole experience. So if if the if the Utes lose thirty one to thirty Saturday night, in a real exciting game, and you spent the whole day with your family, and say you spent with your your dad, and he's older and all that. Can't you take something from it? Does the only way you can take something from it is if they have one more point than the opponent? 
Well, Stephen says sports like politics fosters tribalism. Tribalism leads to extreme behavior and beliefs. And I guess once you get to the extreme, then you can't take something from it. The one-point loss. They're losers. They can't make the big play. There's a whole macho thing that goes into it, and we have all heard that in talks after games, whether you're talking with friends or listening to radio or social media these days, whatever it is. Whoever loses this game Saturday is not out of it. It's not over. That would be one loss in a division where we think 7-2 and two can win it. Now, right. 7-2 and two with the tiebreaker. It would help to have the tiebreaker. Sure it would. I get it. But you fans right now, what are you? You three and two? Is that what they are? Yes. Okay, so if you go seven and two in league. You'd be eight and four. And you went seven and two in league. That's not bad. It is not bad. It's not the big year people crave. No, but you weren't gonna have the big year this year anyway. You weren't expected. This is not twenty nineteen. We were expected to have the big year. And you just heard Kyle. Oh, he commands the, the room. He's got everything you need in leader. Why the hell didn't you start him? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> d- don't pay attention to that right now. Because the other guy looked really good. You're sort of incriminating yourself when you. The more you praise Cam Rising, like well, yeah, well, at this point, whatever. <laughs> it's like BYU fans. The Pac-12 sucks. Wait a second. Wait a minute. We We're went, better than the Pac-12. That's, we just I know, went 3-0 against But nobody against gets them. that logical. It goes back to all this extreme emotion. People, as soon as you beat a really good team, crowds chant overrated. They do it in... Oh, that's cliche. I know, but, but why would you do that? Like five mean, syllables, they want, wouldn't. It, the chant just worked. And then you clap. Yeah. So it just, it just works that way. So... They're not out of it by any stretch. This was, this was not going to yeah. be this. We, we didn't think this was a championship year anyway. So, wow. If you go eight and four, seven and two, hey, if you're that just four, gives you a ton of hope for next year. Yeah. And if you're seven and two and you won the division, you get to go to the Pac 12 title game and play for a trip to the Rose Bowl. And maybe you get it this year. That'd be great. But all I'm saying is if you lose Saturday night, it's not over. I think that's easier for ASU to believe than Utah. Because ASU would have already taken down UCLA also. They'd be sitting on tiebreakers everywhere. For Utah, still got the UCLA game coming up. What do you mean? It's easy for, for who to Well, because play? ASU will have two tiebreakers. They'll have handled UCLA and Utah. Yeah, but look who you're talking about. I know. Well, a and program both that's teams, been running in place for we, 30 we, friggin' years. I understand that. But, you know, once a decade they pull it off, they're due. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. Well, that, Overdue. That thing was okay, due okay, I'll give years you ago. Yes, I'll give you that. I'll give you overdue. The thing where you're right is that most teams, there are exceptions, most teams aren't going to get the same juice out of their back of quarters as their starter. It's a violent sport. This is so no matter pack how good it looks, one QB injury changes the whole race. Exactly. So the Devils could win. And they literally have nobody behind right. Daniels. I agree. That's so the point he can I'm making. go down. Yeah, I, that's the point I'm making. Well, that's I'm a you. hell of a good point. Thank you. It's about time. All right. Well, it took four <laughs> hours, but good night, everybody. Hands and Scott here up next. We'll see you tomorrow.